Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. Thank you all for being here with two very excited little lads. We have Jacob Geller. I'm a little lad. That's right. We have Leo Vader. Yahoo! Yahoo! The three of us! Wahoo! Uh, thank you for joining us on this very special episode of the podcast. We're sorry we're a little bit late for putting this one up, but we needed to be because we want to talk about one game and one game only. Resident Evil 4 Remake! Resident Evil yeah. 4! Uh, but we're also going to talk Remake. about other games on this episode. We're going to talk about Exoprimal. We're going to talk a little bit about, this has to be a typo, Wanted Dead. Uh, some other game called Cosmos Quick Stop. A bunch of fun stuff. And then back half of the show, it gets better. It gets better, just like MinMax does <laughs> all the time, uh, for a couple reasons. One... We have wonderful questions submitted over there on Patreon from the community, and there's some real humdingers, some thinkers, some some good questions over there. Uh, and then uh, number two is uh, Haley McLean, Min Max's community manager, is going to be joining us as well in the back half of the show. So look alive, everyone! I want you all in your best behavior in those YouTube comments. So help me God! Uh, all right, Resident Evil Four remake, Jacob Geller. It feels like you've just been in a uh, a black hole of what I imagine is bliss of like, you've been playing this thing for a while now. I've only played the demo because we only have one code at this point uh, sent over. Leo, have you played the demo? Where are you at with I this? did finish the demo, yeah. Okay, awesome. But Jacob Keller, I appreciate you not uh, sending a bunch of cryptic DMs be like, you guys have no idea what you're in for. Resident Evil 4, blah, 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 blah. But just, uh, you want to set the stage for your love of Resident Evil 4 before the remake here? And how it oh, ruined sure. it. I mean, I've I've told this story several times, but it is one of my favorites. Uh, Resident Evil 4 was one, the first M game that I was allowed to own. And my argument was that I had just had my bar mitzvah. And so the Torah said I was a man. And as such, I should be able to buy M rated games. Nice. And I that argument worked on my parents. Um, <laughs> and and so uh, Resident Evil 4 was the first uh, the M game I ever played. It was a big deal for me. And like, it's just it's just the best. And yeah. and since then, so I, I had it on the Wii. And since then, I have played it on uh, PC. I played it on Switch. I played the the Oculus Quest version last year, which I loved. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I was both uh, very excited as one would be, but also like realized just before I started playing it that I was not emotionally prepared to be disappointed by the game. I was like, if this is bad, I like I don't have the defenses to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> how how would it have been bad? Like what were you bracing for? Them just like tweaking the story in a way where it's like, you know, Ashley yeah, is now well, the president it, or something? Yeah, I guess if they just there are there are things that are so important to why I like Resident Evil 4 more than other Resident Evils. And mm. if they took those out, if they made it more, you know, I think Resident Evil 2 is a great game, like the remake. But if they had made this play more like that, I would have been very disappointed because for me, the the core mechanical loop of Resident Evil 4 is what makes it. Um, and so if they had just like messed up that somehow... I, I would have been very sad. I was terrified that they would have changed the inventory to be like the other remakes. I was really glad to see that it's still that kind of... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Inventory. I mean, there's just... It's like when something is one of your favorite games, you just have so many things. They're like, I hope they don't change this, this thing that, like, no one except me cares about. Um, and it turns out, for the most part, they didn't. Hey! They, they, really, they kept the things I liked. Hang on. I Okay, we can't start on the negative, but I, I note you say for the most part. But okay, uh, at what point in this remake did it really sink in? You realize like, okay, this is 
this is great. What they've done is a miracle. I mean, genuinely, like, like 45 minutes in. Okay. You know, where I was, I mean, the beginning was great. The the opening, like the village fight, which is part of the demo right. that everyone played, I think is is uh, near unbelievably good in this remake. <laughs> but it was like when I was in the just the kind of third major encounter and all of the encounters of Resident Evil 4, especially the beginning, are like so memorable because they're all very like different challenges. And just when I got to the third one and realized not only have they preserved the rooms as I remember them, but they've preserved them and then like added complexity on top. And I think mm. my my kind of like my overwhelming takeaway is like not only did they just did they just do the things that I know I like, but they somehow added more on top of Resident Evil 4, which is already like such a game stuffed to the gills with just like content yeah what what are they adding on top of it i mean just like in every you know in almost every room it'll be like you remember this encounter but this time there is more verticality or there's like there's an enemy doing something like that that kind of changes the chemistry of the encounter even though it is the same space you remember or like you know you remember this as bigger and now it is bigger. And, right. and there's just like it it maintains the essence of the thing that you remember, but is actually just like more interesting to play through. I mean, just on the very granular level, like playing the demo, it's like that first house you into and you find the the guy who's not a zombie, which they don't have that note in this one. I know, uh, it's sad. It's really, they ruined it. Yeah, we take back everything nice we've said so far. But even just like that house, you know, I haven't played the original game since 2005. But like I played it two times back in the day and stuff. So it's weird even to jump into that area and be like, I think this house is just like a lot bigger and more complex. Yep. And it's that just blown across the entire game then? Yes. And I mean, and the the opening is like literally that first house is... It was a part where I started getting scared because like in the original game, you walk into that house. It's one room. The guy turns around and he lunges at you and then it gives you gameplay control and you shoot him. And in the remake, that happens in a cutscene. And so I was like, right. oh, no, they've taken away from me. But then <laughs> you go in the basement and instead you have like a much harder, much scarier gameplay interaction with that same guy so you like yeah they they kind of they subvert the thing that you expected to happen while maintaining you know all of the events basically just adding on top of it now their necks can be broken and they're still alive and they run at you really fast and it's creepy also tiny tiny note it's so funny when games you know will have you do ridiculous cool things in cutscenes that you actually have no idea to do in gameplay but that cutscene is just like the roundhouse kick you do every five seconds right yep yeah (laughs) absolutely could do that yeah, it's weird, Leo. I don't know if you had the same reaction, but like, um, you know, I, when Resident Evil 4 came out, everyone's like, oh, it's it's one of the greatest games ever. I mean, obviously, it kind of ruins Resident Evil because it's not scary anymore, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but at least in the demo, I was struck. And maybe I was just in a super cowardly mood. I was urinating in my pants and everything. But even that demo, I was like, this is scarier than I remember it being. Are you, as a fellow scaredy boy, did you have the same thought? I yes, I did get good and scared, yes, and I yes. think it's it's been important to me in this series for me to be like mechanically underpowered for it to be scary. Not sure. necessarily underpowered, but overwhelmed. Yeah, like two, I really really loved, and then I felt like three was a downgrade because the nemesis wasn't actually following you around the way Mister X was. It was right. more scripted, and that kind of t- took a lot of the energy out of it for me. 
And this kind of, I was concerned that it would hit me the same way, but it also feels, at least in the demo, which is very brief, uh, it felt like I mechanically am scared of these guys because yeah. I was running through this giant group, you know, classic first fight. I'm thinking, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't have enough tools for this. Maybe I can go inside this little shed and take them out one by one as they file in. And maybe if, and then I start doing it, I'm like, okay, maybe if I'm lucky, I can headshot them and then do the follow-up roundhouse kick and get a bunch at once and break out that way. And it does not work at all. I get completely <laughs> killed, my ass kicked, out of resources, and I die, which is a little frustrating. But I'm also going in that moment, like, I'm really glad I didn't get away with that. Right, right. Like, there's actual stakes to being pursued by this many people. Yeah. You know? And, and they, it's that good balance, too. One more thing. It's just the Resident mm-hmm. Evil 3, the, the like, slow motion dodge was too much for me, too action-y. And I think the parry here as your way to react when somebody attacks you is a lot more grounded and, like, less of an instant win. No, the, the resource economy of this game is pulled to such a, like... Like, it, it it feels like it is about to snap at any moment. Like, okay, in the next room, I am just not going to have enough ammo. Yeah. And you, like, you feel like that for, like, six hours in a row. You know, it's like, like, it really... So you almost always are just scraping by and the original did that um pretty well i mean like the original kind of introduced the thing of like dynamic inventory drops where it knew if you were out of healing items and so it would give you some and it knew Mm. if you had a ton of shotgun ammo it would stop giving you shotgun ammo but this feels like they have just iterated on that until like truly it is coming down to like single shotgun shells you know feeling like i just just have enough um also it's a hard game it, i really say that up front it is difficult even on the regular difficulty and you've played it so many times and still it's difficult that's that's a lot yeah of i mean because i haven't here's even though even though it is a very faithful remake i do feel like it like my skills don't translate that well like they have they have changed so many little things about it that even though the mechanical satisfaction is still there like i'm having to relearn stuff the like leo said the parry the like knife economy stuff in this game is so important and totally not in the original that like weighing you know Am I going to parry this attack, which will stop me from taking damage, but then my knife will break and I won't be able to, like, use the knife on things anymore is such a, like, unique thing to think about in the context of Resident Evil 4 and really has this kind of domino effect of making the whole game feel new and kind of uh, unknown even for me. Is it is it better? Ooh. Yes, I mean, if you've never played either the original or this one, if you play this one, you'll have a better time. It feels it feels like a new game. Yeah. You know, it it has almost no like old design uh, like hanger ons. It, it it just it just feels like a new game. Yeah, I the old one holds such a place in my heart and such a place in like just the history of games you know it's like this doesn't feel revolutionary in the way that 
even now playing the old one, I feel like you can kind of get that it was a revolutionary game. Right. And this feels just like a super good game that was made in 2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, do you find yourself missing the kind of the mechanics of the old one, though, and the changes to the knife and everything? Or like getting to that groove, of like, all right, you shoot at the legs and use the knife, but like all those reflexes are just 30% different at this point, And it, it feels a little funky. I, I guess I'm liking it because it really like. For me, you know, with the Dead Space remake, I'm probably never going to play the original Dead Space again because the remake is just so I just like can't see why I would ever play the original. This it really feels like now I have two games called Resident Evil 4 that I love and I will go back to the original sometimes and I'll also play this one just because they're like they're they're great and and similar, but not the same. I mean, I guess I'm the really VR happy to version, hear that. It's and like it has its own kind of identity that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with the VR version, it's like you almost have three different versions of Resident Evil Four at this point for like yeah. <laughs> three different molds. Yeah, of I mean, uh, a friend of the show, Blake Hester, and I were talking about the the VR Resident Evil Four, which does succeed in making things feel new. Yeah, but it doesn't have this game is scary in a way that in VR you're like even more powerful than you were in the original, and in this you do feel underpowered a lot. That's exciting and intimidating. Um, The knife thing, net positive? Like, are, are people going to be annoyed oh, yeah. about knives breaking all the time and whatnot? I don't think so. Um, I, you can, one is you can upgrade the durability of some knives, and so you can, like, you can keep it from breaking more. But it's like, you can do... The thing that breaks is essentially access to an ability that was totally absent from the original game. And so it's not like you're losing something that you previously had. Right. It's that like the parry is so powerful that there needs to be a way to limit it. And what you do to limit it is is make it kind of a finite resource. Right. Right. Um, Are there without spoiling anything, which I know is confusing for a classic game that uh, I imagine most people played. But, like, big changes, small changes throughout? Are we going to be surprised when we roll credits on this thing for, for some big twists and turns here? There are definitely there are definitely big changes. There are um, there are several things that are, for, for as big as this game is, and it it's big, it took me 16 hours to beat, um, there is still stuff that it was present in the original RE4 that is not here, and I think some of the stuff that's missing might be a little disappointing um hmm. maybe just for freaks like me who have played it you know two dozen times um but they have added there is also totally new stuff and they've also messed with like the the order of things so Ooh. things happen earlier than you might expect them or later than you might expect them and in those situations knowledge of the game is really interesting because it's able to subvert your expectations more by thinking like, oh, that doesn't happen for another three chapters. And they're like, surprise, it's happening now. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's weird to try and think of like what the comparison is for this level of remake. And my mind immediately goes to Resident Evil remake on the GameCube or Resident Evil 2, uh, the recent Mm -hmm. remake. It's just like, okay, it's just a, it's another Resident Evil remake and they know how to do it very well when they're firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And it's just like the scale is so, so impressive that even, even as like, as huge of a remake as remake of one or two were 
the thing that they were remaking was such a smaller object. And right. what's what's kind of crazy thinking about Resident Evil 4, the original now, is just like games don't have that much content anymore. And to see them, if not exactly match, like get really close to the just amount of stuff in that one single player story of Resident Evil 4 is really, really impressive in 2023. Have you touched Mercenaries mode? Is that part of it at launch? It's it's not out yet. It's okay. it's going to be free DLC, but it is uh, it is DLC. Is that uh, your jam, Leo? Probably. I was also wondering, though, my one question, I felt like even in the demo, I was relying a lot on headshot, roundhouse kick, headshot, roundhouse kick, just because that uses the least ammo. Do you, Is that all you do the whole game? Because <laughs> my uh, question... I mean, you can. Uh, that's that's kind of uh, the rhythm that I love of Resident Evil 4 is headshot sure. roundhouse kick. But, um, you know, they introduce there are new enemy types. There are uh, there there are combinations. I think they've made everyone more aggressive to kind of like counter your new ability to counter. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, those like a, a thing that's present in the demo is those like broken neck guys right. are a totally new kind of enemy and you run into a situation where you headshot roundhouse kick someone and then you you can see the body start twitching on the ground and you have to make the decision of like if you use your knife you can stop them from getting up but then you break your knife and also you might have to like run through a whole crowd of people to get to that body to stop them from getting up and so like they they throw in things that kind of mess with that rhythm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. I'm still trying to get a sense of this thing. I mean, locked in, you think for like your top three for uh, your favorite games this year, no matter what, <laughs> I mean, what level did you love this? No, I, I loved it. It's absolutely a lock for my top 10. I think honestly, what could keep it out of my top three is just my personal remakes are maybe a slightly lower form of art than oh, than new things you know it's like hey i love this thing it's still something that i played you know 15 years ago or right, whatever right. like it's just it, it's not it's maybe not quite as impressive to me as a fully new game and look man zelda's coming out this year and maybe hollow knight you know yeah <laughs> so all right. well, that's fair sure. uh resident Evil 4 remake everybody it is out on march 24th yes i do believe so um and we we're going to be talking a lot more about it. We are officially taking the deepest dive on Resident Evil 4 Remake. If you want to help us create the best, most thorough discussion about this game possible in a giant three-part community game club experience, you can jump over there to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. You support us. Hopefully it isn't confusing. Do you think people are confused, Leo? But here's how it works. Support us at that $2 tier on Patreon. You can play along with us, submit comments. We will read your comments during the show. Or if you support us at that $5 tier, you can unlock the podcast version because we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 4 Remake for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And uh, it'd be very convenient to have it in your favorite podcast app because not only is that convenient, then it also helps support independent games media directly. So we appreciate it. 
And here's the real perk is you get access to the Discord yes. channel yes. about it where you can talk with other people who are playing it along the same rate as you. And you know what? If you don't want to be limited by the rate that they're playing it at, you can just send a comment that's relative to those chapters. And yes. Just don't spoil anything. You can play ahead. That's fine. You can still enjoy the conversation. That's right. Uh, so we are breaking the game up into three chunks. We're covering chapters one through six. Uh, so finish chapter six. Yes, Jacob Geller, that's the way that math works. Okay, finish chapter six, and we are going to be talking about that and collecting your comments on Sunday, March 26th. And I know that's a tight turnaround, but this is a shorter chunk overall. And again, if you just only get through the first couple chapters, you can still submit a comment over there. So we're collecting your comments over on Patreon on Sunday, March 26th, because we're going to celebrate the hell out of this thing. Um, and I hear you people screaming at home, shouting, uh, swerving your car over the road, saying, how does this work? You haven't finished the deepest dive on Like a Dragonetian. And to them, I say, we will, though, <laughs> that same week. Right, Leo? <laughs> That's right. The 28th, we're recording the last episode of that. The, the full ending breakdown. Yeah. Like a Dragonetian. And Leo, here's why... Um, you're important and other people are important because in my mind it's Why? like well we can't have two deepest dives running at the same time it, it's sacrilegious to have it overlap and i think it's <laughs> nice to have other voices be like who cares it's fine <laughs> we'll just have two deepest dives going up the same weeks oh yeah that's right not everything needs to be perfectly curated in this fancy way it's we can get sloppy sometimes it's not even slop it's good slop to have an overlapping <laughs> deepest dive it's cool it's, it's yummy slop it's yummy yeah, it's slop. fun and you know special that's right uh okay exoprimal I haven't yeah. talked to you guys about this thing yet. There's a beta going on for Exoprimal, another Capcom joint. Um, if you don't remember this one, it's the one that they revealed a while ago and everybody said, yeah, Dino Crisis lives. And then Capcom said, Err. no, it's actually, it has nothing to do with Dino Crisis. It's just a Dino Crisis, but it's not related in any way. I don't understand why you're all confused. Um, and it's the game that is, looks a little bit like Anthem. It's a lot of exosuits, fancy Max, what would you call them, robot aficionado Jacob Geller? Oh, they're mechs. Oh, they're mechs. Okay. Um, and then you're shooting dinosaurs, and I guess it's a PvP, P- PvEVP situation where you're shooting other dinosaurs, but there's another team that's also trying to accomplish missions. Um, did you guys get to play this thing together? We did, right before the podcast. Yes. Just one hour ago. Oh, that's sweet. All right. Um, I tried playing last night. And I went through the tutorial. I was uh, charmed all the way to Charm City. And then I couldn't get into a match. Uh, I couldn't, couldn't find one rolling. So I didn't actually get to play the core of the game. But the tutorial wowed me. Um, <laughs> oh, what would you do think of actually jumping in and playing this thing on a team, no less? Oh, we had fun. It's, it's very much like Destiny's Gambit mode, which okay. is you're doing PvE missions against each other. It'll tell you, like, the other team's ahead of you. You're ahead of the other team. And you will see their ghosts even running around doing their objective. They're already ahead fighting the boss dinosaur, whatever. You'll see that. Yeah. And then both matches we played at the at the end, it becomes PvP. And oh, really? you are both in the same area, able to kill each other and racing. But still VE. There are still 700 <laughs> Velociraptors, but you can also see the other enemies. It is. It's weird to have a game. And I say this with all due respect. This stupid I feel like given such a budget, because it's like even the tutorial, it's like, this is this feels better to control than I was expecting going in. And maybe it's just the magic of Capcom in this era. I assume it's an RE engine game or something. But did, was it fun? Was it impressive in any way or just like stupid level EDF fun? I mean, I was going to use EDF as a point of comparison yeah. before uh, before you even mentioned it. Um 
but I think EDF is uh, really fun. So, um, <laughs> yes, no, it is. It is fun. Um, I think what what remains to be seen is how long it can maintain it and like what what the things are, because uh, the the couple matches that Leo and I played are essentially you're running down ruined city streets. There is a voice that says summoning raptors every <laughs> like literally five seconds yep. like this this voice is always summoning raptors yeah. and you are just being swarmed by like you know essentially the big ants of edf where they all die in like more or less one hit but there are a million of them um and then occasionally it will it will say summoning triceratops yeah, and then and then you yeah. have to fight a triceratops or another kind of di- what was what was the the dinosaur that you kept dying to leo stealth neo raptor <laughs> something like that <laughs> i remember also, that from my there's childhood. one there's also like a sniper neo raptor so <laughs> they've they've given some of them powers um but the all of the suits are very different feeling and they all have really different abilities and they are kind of classed into like attack tank healer um but you can switch to any of them at any time yeah, that's like really even cool. in the middle of a match which is really cool um and and i think like my guess is that each of them has kind of like a game to learn and so even though the gameplay was not super compelling, like at least in, in who you were fighting, like the way of controlling it was cool. And it almost felt like different monster hunter weapons in terms of like how different each, each mech felt to control. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting Raptors with one versus getting up close and uppercutting them into the air with the other. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 Felt like the PvE was pretty middling. It was like EDF in that you'll have fun if you're doing it with friends and talking right, about something right. that's not what you're doing. But the PvP, I was having fun with. And I don't know if that would last, but I was kind of like... In our second match, I was just waiting to get to the PvP part because that was more fun to me. Being oh, able to tactically take people out, you know, as part of fighting for the objective versus just... It seemed like no matter what we did, people do the objectives in the first part at pretty much the same rate. Oh, really? Okay. But then the last phase is like... Okay, everyone needs to, you know, you need to you need to take a hammer and take it to this point and hit a big thing. And so you can see the enemy that has a hammer. And so you can, you know, ignore all the dinosaurs and just go and like try to kill them before they get to their place. And also sometimes the game will give you a dinosaur for you to control. That and is, so you yes. can just like drop a T-Rex on the enemy team and start like attacking them. Yeah, it was all it was all like I, I think, Leo, game. you described it as almost completely incomprehensible like, <laughs> when, when controlling the t-rex yeah it's there's something going on where they decide to put like the whole enemy area in the, covered in like red matrix numbers but this was earlier when you were like from the pve section you get to hop over to what they're doing oh that's as a right. raptor which was uh-huh. kind of cool but you can also get to do that in the pvp section that's so weird yeah going through the tutorial it's like okay this is all fun and games roll i got it got it got it and then it's like okay now here's this dominator feature and now you're just controlling a carnotaurus like, all right you got me game like controlling a big dinosaur i it's tough to make it feel great in any video game, but like I'm in it for the thrill. <laughs> they sure aren't the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still a hoot. Um, also, it's just like it's just a good 
stupid video game concept that they're explaining the different classes and mechs and all that stuff. It's like, and of course, here's our healing uh, mech, which is the Witch Doctor mech. It's like, all right, sure. You know what? A game all about dinosaurs raining from the sky in your forecast. Of course, there's going to be a Witch Doctor mech. I mean, I also this wasn't present in the uh, in the beta at all, but the the story looks uh, almost unbelievably dumb in a yes. way that I am like really attracted to. Where <laughs> it's just like like the things that they're showing in the trailers. I'm like, how? Why would you ever put this much plot into a game where you're a mech killing dinosaurs? But they're like they're going to explain every part of it. <laughs> it, it seems to be the right level of extremely self-aware. Like even in the tutorial, they're explaining how to use different mechanics, and they say, "quote." Use the ballistic wall to defend against the raptors. Tell them, not today, boys. And then another yeah. line, they say, dress for the job you want. To survive. It's like, what? <laughs> the job? Okay. Also, sure. the corporation that's behind all the exosuits is named IBS, A-I-B-I-U-S, which is IBS. Do you think they're <laughs> self-aware about that? That the main corporation is named IBS? Just, which is just them saying we're complete bullshit. Um, is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, or just irritable bowel syndrome is what oh, my mind Oh, okay, <laughs> that works too. Yeah, I mean, those raptors ran from the sky. It does kind of feel like uh, just straight-up diarrhea, I suppose. Interesting. Yeah. Dramatic yeah, I mean, relevance. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, like, uh, I guess two years ago, uh, me and some friends played through all of Back 4 Blood, uh, which I think is a bad game, but we all played it because it was on Game Pass and it was a game that you could play co-op. Yep. And it's like... If if I had four friends that all got this game, I would totally play a dozen hours of it. You know, like, I, I think it really will come down to, like, I mean, this is not a Game Pass game, it, right? I believe they announced, yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Game okay, Pass. Yep. well, then that's perfect. I mean, yep. <laughs> I was going to say, this is a perfect Game Pass game because it would be hard to convince someone to spend $60 on it. Totally. But if I can just be like, hey, let's play that dinosaur game tonight and they can just download it. <laughs> great i think we'll have a very good time yeah yeah july 13th xo primal's coming out okay good i'm glad you guys got to jump in there and check it out what a weird silly thing it's a lock for my number one of the year but it way. is a lock no matter what <laughs> yeah, tears even of the kingdom it's delayed out of this year the beta is the number one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um in a similar similar vein entirely there's a game called wanted dead um, that Jacob Geller, you made a whole new essay about. It's basically a one-person deepest dive over there on your YouTube channel trying to unpack yeah. what it is about this game called Wanted Dead that has captured your imagination in <laughs> such a beautiful way. Um, where is this thing coming from? I, it, the bullet point is its former Ninja, no, sorry, Team Ninja developers. It's it's some of the developers of Ninja Gaiden is, okay. is kind of what it is Uh theoretically coming from but it's a a pretty new studio i mean if you go to their website all of this is the first game to come out and then they're like here are four other games that we're making that are going to come out um and i can only hope that those other four games have as much uh just bug nuts weird (laughs) energy as wanted dead because um the reason i made the essay about it is it just like it doesn't make sense that this was made because the budget is like too high to be just kind of a weirdo indie game, but it has too many choices that are completely bizarre to like 
exist at at the scale that it seemingly does. It just like it feels like it is from an era of game development that we've moved past where like, you know, Japan would make a game and then do like a really rushed translation job and throw it over to the States. But that's not what happened because this game was originally like acted and (laughs) voiced in English. So like, I don't know. It's so, yeah. So it's third person running around shooting things up, slashing them with a sword. And the, the weird, I don't know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Leo? Declaimer? What's the word I'm looking for? Disclaimer? Disclaimer. <laughs> Professional <laughs> podcasting. The disclaimer is like, the reviews out there seem to hate this game. Oh, they're bad. They're, they are bad. And so that's the thing. I, I feel like, you know, that's also the theme of your essay is trying to figure out, do you like it? Or are you just fascinated by a bad game? Right. Well, I'm so glad that I didn't have to review this game. Right. Because it's like if you had the job of telling someone, like, should you buy this or not? I I mean, probably not. Um, but like it is so. It just makes so many strange choices that I kind of can't help but be obsessed with. It. I mean, the thing that I start the essay with is like. There's a karaoke minigame where you like, oh, you press the buttons in time and they have like a whole karaoke bar and they have a set of animations for it. But you can only sing 99 Luftballoons, the song, (laughs) and you can go back to the karaoke machine in your police station and it's like, hey, do karaoke again. But like you can't even select anything. You just click do karaoke and it boots up 99 lift balloons. And that's the only thing that that mini game can do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, there's a lot of metal gear DNA in here. They have, uh, the actor who played quiet from Metal Gear solid five. She seems to have a weird quirky role in here. So it, it feels well, like, and can I tell you what I've learned since writing the yeah, essay? Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is Stephanie Houston who, yeah, was quiet. Uh, she was the cutscene director. Not only Ooh, was she in this game, she was like a a part of the development. That's cool. I wonder if that's ever happened or if it happens all the time. Of like having an actor jump in and direct cutscenes? Having the director jump in and act, I assumed is what happened. Wait. No, I mean, she's... No, Leo, she no, no, bad Leo. She only directed the cutscenes. Right. But so like, you think I she got think... hired as an actor and then volunteered to direct the cutscenes she was in? I mean, I think that they... I think that when she was came came onto the project, she was always envisioned to be in the game. I don't think you would get the lady who played Quiet and then only have her behind the scenes. Right, right. Um, oh, but also, the game's director is one of the main cast. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. This yes. makes more sense. Uh, who, who I would say, oh, and it makes sense why, like, he can't act, but actually, like, no one in the cast can act. <laughs> and so, and it, like, and he all, just kind of fits right in. And they're all, they all have, like, a German accent. I'm still confused. Most, most of them are, like, from Germany. The okay. actors are, um, the, the lead of the game is Swiss, um, but they are... The plot is that they are most of them are German, but they are Hong Kong's police force because in the future or not in the future, because the game takes place in 2023. But in the alternate present, Hong Kong is using uh, prisoners from a previous war as its police force. And so they're all like prisoners who have been released with the stipulation that they can only be cops Uh it's it's it is very metal gear except it has like 
unlike Metal Gear, I need more explanation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like they don't explain anything. Yeah, there's a there's a Steam review here that sums it all up from Teacup Salamander, dear friend of the show. The, their Steam review just it's a thumbs up and they say truly nightmarish. Wonderful experience. Do not play. Highly recommended. <laughs> I love hate the fights. Great combat. 7 out of 10. Wait for it to go on sale. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it, it you did, get it maybe the most confusing part about it is that it launched at 60 dollars, which is 40 dollars too many love it you know <laughs> i heard a wise person once say that every game is interesting and wanted dead certainly proves that so that's check right. out check out Geller's youtube essay if you just want to experience like what's coming out of weird corners of the industry because yeah the publisher is 110 industries sa and the developer is Soleil Limited. It's like, okay, I'm not familiar with any of these names. Like the publisher. Yeah, and I'm so it's like, I think the developers are actually, some of the developers are Japanese. Some of the developers are German. I don't quite know who or where it was made. Right. That's, it's a great, it's the great melting pot of the world. Uh, when all cultures get together, what comes out is wanted dead, everybody. <laughs> Uh, Leo, God bless you. We keep talking a big game on this freaking MinMax network about like, you know what, man? Even if it's not new, if there's some game you fell in love with, talk about it. This podcast is a place for you. And then I usually shoot people down. It's like, no, no, no. We got to we gotta talk about those new releases, even if you don't care about them. And then you said, by God, we're talking about Cosmos Quick Stop. So help me God. Um, <laughs> You'll break my whittle heart if you don't let me talk about it. <laughs> what is Cosmos Quick Stop from 2021? I don't know of a time I've discovered a more underrated game. It has Ooh. 50 reviews on Steam. It came out in 2021, and the reviews are positive. But I couldn't believe I'd never heard of it. Yeah. it It is a single player or co-op. I played it all in co-op with my partner. Uh, space Gas Station Simulator. With kind of a party game gameplay almost, kind of overcooked, where you're running around and doing these different little tasks of pumping gas, uh, doing the ATM, like how many 10s and 5s and 20s make up $95, like what? you your guests like that. It's super simple, satisfying gameplay that's just really fun to like uh, coordinate with your partner you're playing with. Of like, okay, I'll get all the curbside stuff. You clean the bathrooms. You clean all the glorp out of the bathrooms because it's got this like you know, alien aesthetic to it. And it's so cute and funny. And it is a PS2 style game. Like it looks like a PS2 game. Like I had to double check. It wasn't a remaster of a PS2 game because it nails that aesthetic, which is such an underutilized nostalgic aesthetic to go back to. Right. But it ends up just being gorgeous. Yeah. It's from Big Sur Games, the developer, and it's just on Steam at this point, right? Just on Steam and also their only game. Like Wanted Dead. Wow. Weird. There's a really, just to talk about Something that made me really fall in love with it the moment I did. Yeah. There's um, people will park their space cars and you'll pump them full of gas while they're in milling about your gas station, buying from the vending machine or using the bathroom or whatever. And when they're inside, they'll also like ask for directions and you'll go up to a map and the minigame will be guiding their ship to the glowing planet that they're trying to get to around asteroids, which is super cute. And then one of the upgrades is... Now there's it becomes a little fast food restaurant on that map and you get bonus money if your path takes them through the fast food restaurant on the way to their destination. It's delightful. It's it's got really good upgrades like that. Like it's not just the core gameplay. It's really satisfying progression as you build your your gas station out with some impressive variety. Like I really couldn't believe how full, cohesive, fun 
great of a game this was for how I'd never heard of it. Weird. Yeah, how'd you find it? We literally, we search all the time for co-op games on Steam, and especially stuff that's like running a little business together. We love that, and there's woefully <laughs> few. And we stumbled upon this, and thank God we clicked on it, because we blew through it in like four days. It's so oh, fun. And we still keep, there's still like challenges. There's plenty to do. So is it like a, a linear, I mean, it's like you reach the end of it, like it has a, a, a roll credits, you beat the game? Yes, and you can still keep playing and still keep going for upgrades. There's like a calendar you're moving through with different events along the mm. way. Like there's special days that certain types of aliens will be in town. Like there's one called the Star Babies that are little babies that float around in jetpacks around your station. And when they come to town, the Glorp room is getting dirtied way faster. So you've got to go in there and mop 10 times as much. So it's <laughs> fun little event stuff to break up the campaign, but... It's so much, a really impressive amount of variety for just running a gas station. Yeah. Shout out to Big Sur Games. Show them some love, everybody. Cosmo's Quick Stop. Are there any um, clerks reference in there with the Quick Stop thing? Or do they you seem have sex like. with the corpse. You do? Oh, okay. That sounds great. Um, have you ever thought, Leo, about opening up a little business in real life with your sweetie and then to be the ultimate little co op uh, management sim thing? <laughs> I wonder. I think we'd be pretty good at it, but also, who wants to put that kind of stress on their relationship? That's that doesn't right. feel smart. Yeah, don't do it, everybody. Uh, sweet. Um, hey, Leo. Um, I'm going to be in GDC next week, and so uh, you're running Initial Plus stuff. You should put Cosmos Quick Stop Initial Plus. We playing co-op with Marie. Oh, I mean, you can if you want. I'm not going to say you can't, but. Maybe I don't somebody. think it has online co-op. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, that well, gets messy. Well, just force Jeff to come over and hang out in your house with you, I guess. Okay. It'll be a piece of cake. Um, hey, uh, Jacob Geller, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, people paying us to talk about weirdo games they've never heard of. I'd argue they unlock a benefit uh, that they enjoy as well, and it helps support us at the same time. But that's right, I don't Jacob. Think so. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's just paying us directly. We're just coin slots on the internet. Uh, Patreon.com slash minmax with two e- uh, two ends, everybody. Thank you so much for unlocking a benefit over there. We are inching, inching oh so close to hitting our goal on Patreon. We are within like under $600 away from sending Leo Vader, Sarah Podzorski, and Janet Garcia to Super Nintendo World. It is the road to Toad, as they call it, the flip side of the Trek to Shrek that we did last year. So if we hit this goal on Patreon, we're going to make a bonus travelogue. And finally, you'll get to see Leo and Sarah and Janet smile as Miyamoto's art washes over their souls and they show you firsthand that entire experience. And also, it'll be a fun experience of Janet kind of showing off L.A. and I assume her house, <laughs> fun stuff like that. So if you want that bonus travelogue and you want to make these poor souls smile, you can go to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Patreon it, is removing goals too. So I know. this could be the last one. That is true and sad. So please head over there uh, and jump in, unlock a benefit that's right for you and help us hit that goal at the same time. We can go out with a with a fiery fury. Um, hey, Jacob Gell, you know, like, you know what's wild? What's that? I'll tell you what's wild. Um, you spend so much time in your bed, specifically you, right? I do. Yeah, we've yeah. been meaning to talk to you about it. <laughs> Get out of bed, bro. Uh, you spend so much time in your bed. Uh, why not have like the most comfortable bed imaginable? And the mattress is one thing. We all have heard mattress ads, but what, what about these Miracle Brand sheets? You ever heard of these things, Jacob Geller? Uh, tell me more. I will tell you more. 
genuinely, if I may, <clears throat> they paid us to say this, but genuinely, they sent over <laughs> these Miracle Brand sheets, and it was a real moment of like, you know, I, I am a, I'm a simple man. I don't think I've ever really thought about sheets in my life. But it's like, you know what? Like high-end sheets, it is a nice perk. You spend so much time in your bed, like make it a cozy experience, right? Leo, how are your sheets doing? Ass. Ass. <laughs> Not miracle ass either. So no. miracle brand sheets, everybody. Uh, they have cooling properties, self-cooling properties for better quality sleep. They use silver infused fabrics originally developed by NASA. Good Lord, Miracle-Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you'd be at uh, a better sleep every night. This is where it gets wild, this NASA tech. Sci-fi, self-cleaning. These sheets are infused with natural silver that prevents 99.9 of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Wow. Thanks. I, I, we just moved our bed away from the wall to clean in the bedroom and there was mold on the wall. What? We just, that just happened and we've spent a long time cleaning it up. Have you ever considered lining your entire house with Miracle Brand sheets? I, I will now. Because <laughs> it's like, it's the greatest wallpaper you can have. No bacteria is going to be in that house whatsoever. It's going to be cozy and it probably will work and regulate the temperature in your house. So you don't even need like insulation. You can, And the whole thing will feel like a blanket for it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Miracle brand sheets, everybody. Luxurious comfort and quality. Uh, and also better for your skin because you can stop sleeping on bacteria with these freaking <laughs> clean sheets. Uh, go to trymiracle.com slash minmax to try it today. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40% and be sure to use the promo code minmax at checkout to save even more. And you get three free towels, everybody. And Miracle is so confident in their product. It's back for the 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash minmax and use the code minmax to claim your free three-piece towel set. Save over 40% off. Again, miracle, I'm sorry, trymiracle.com slash minmax to treat yourself. And thanks to Miracle Made for helping us out and supporting the show. There's links below for all this fun stuff. Um, hey, Jacob Geller. Yes. Uh, I got a question for you, ma'am. Another one? Yeah, be honest. <laughs> when, when was the last time you uh, went online and you're like, I hope no one... I hope no one's going to see what I'm going to be searching for. I hope to keep this secret. Oh, and what were you searching for? <laughs> yeah. Every every day of my life. Right, right. Well, it, you seem like a person who could use ExpressVPN. Because they want you to know that uh, you're probably thinking uh, incognito mode, right? You go incognito, you're fine. You're, you're hidden off the face of the earth for whatever you're searching. It's got Neato right in the name. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what's Neato is ExpressVPN because it, they're so neat, it's like you don't even <laughs> exist anymore if you use them. Uh, because incognito Another mode, thing that I wish I had every day. <laughs> <laughs> incognito mode, it does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited, including that cursed patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Careful. <laughs> Don't go there, it's cursed. Uh, ISPs in the US, they can legally sell your information to ad companies. They can track it, even in incognito mode. And that's why ExpressVPN comes in handy. You pop this sucker on. It's an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so the ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Try and 
de-encrypted, I dare you. Uh, and ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. It's absolutely everywhere. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. You can visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash minmax, and you can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash minmax with two N's, of course. ExpressVPN.com slash minmax to learn more. Hey, Leo, you know the other day you were just talking about, like, you know what I want? I want uh, to have the Pathless on my Nintendo Switch, but a physical version of it. These are amazingly relevant products. I know, it's wild, because it turns out you can go to IM8Bit's wonderful online store to find exactly that. It is the Nintendo Switch Physical Edition, the IM8 Bit Exclusive, the Pathless, one of Kyle's favorite games from not too long ago. Very cool game, a cool game to have on Switch, and having a cool exclusive edition thanks to our dear friends at IM8 Bit. Nothing better. Uh, comes with a reversible cover sheet, a big old fold out poster, collectible art cards, there's a set of six in there, and exclusive artwork by Emmy winner Elaine Lee. Emmy winner. Interesting. Very cool. So you can check all that stuff out by going to im 8 bits wonderful online store. Genuinely a very wonderful store. If you are listening to this podcast and you go to im 8 bit store, you will see at least six things that will make you go like, damn. Damn, man, that's actually pretty cool. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Guarantee. Guarantee. I'm8bit.com, everybody. Check out their store. You can use the promo code SHAMROCKSHAKE, no space, SHAMROCKSHAKE, for 10% off everything under $100. Check it out, everybody. Help support I'm8bit because they support us in a big way, and they're very generous because each and every week, they ship out a prize from that online store. This week, whoever has the best questions submitted over there on Patreon for community questions, they win a copy of Etherborn on Switch. I mean, it's so generous. They just put this in the mail, ship it out to somebody, and all that person has to do is write in a great question over on patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. So help support them by using that promo code SHAMROCKSHAKE. All right, ready to dive into these questions? What? I feel like we're missing something. Uh, The female perspective? The female perspective! Oh my god. Haley McLean, everybody. Minmax's community manager. Welcome back to the show, Haley! Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been a while. Um God, do you remember the last episode you're on? It was 20- It's like 2021. Oh my god. You've changed so much. You've grown. Uh you're now like a cool certified lawyer and stuff. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and also now you're staying glued to every message in the Midmax Discord uh and helping make sure everything's good. Um how's that how's that whole front going for you so far? Good. If it turns, if the icon is like white, I feel such a huge desire to click on them. And when they're all grayed out, I feel so happy. And then they'll all light up like 10 seconds later. <laughs> Wait, you're really, you're like scrubbing every room? Well, yeah, like to a degree. I mean, sometimes, you know, general fills up like a hundred comments <laughs> in 10 minutes. And right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can't really do much there. But the smaller ones, for sure. Like those ones where people are having more private combos about very hyper specific stuff it's yeah. really easy to like know what's going on yeah and you just did um just for diving into the weeds here we don't need to unpack it all on air but like you know we just did like a discord survey to see like hey what do people want from the future of the discord what can we improve all that stuff and like yeah. it is very nice our community is very nice like going through a lot of those responses there's a lot of people just being like it's all good nine yeah. out of ten it's like okay They're like don't change a thing <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice but I, we need more than that <laughs> yeah and then Haley just sat back in her chair and said i could get used to this, this is generally how easy it goes. um Haley mclean uh you might know from 
2021's best episode of the Min-Mac Show podcast. Or uh, she was a Game Informer intern for a while, and then after that, it kind of launched her into the stratosphere of the podcasting world, uh, where she was on a podcast for years with Leo Vader and AJ and Blake Hester over there at Game Informer called Game Query. So I, I was going to say, and and uh, Ben, I've been on enough episodes of Game Query that I think the three of us present <laughs> makes this an episode of Game Query. You were you were yeah. the odd man out here. I, I, I agree. I was on at least two episodes of Game Query, so this is basically a Game Query reunion at this point. There was a period in 2020 where. Almost every Sunday, Blake would message me saying, what are you doing right now? And then would surprise <laughs> introduce me in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, it wouldn't even be the start. We'd be like halfway through and he'd be like, Jacob Geller, everybody. Just launch into the call. We're like, oh, it was, dope. It was, it was deep pandemic. It was a, a sad time. <laughs> Leo, what do you miss most about podcasting with Haley? Uh, miss most? Yeah. Like top 20? Top 20, yeah. <laughs> I guess the, I guess I'd have to go the laughs, the laughs, the tears. <laughs> that was a fun the, the idea for a podcast. We all it brought some, a gaming hypothetical to the right. table. Oh, that's right. And yeah. then decide. It, yeah, it had a bunch of made up rules. It was perfect podcast material. <laughs> it but, was as loose as it needed to be to still be structured to make sense. Right. That makes sense. I think that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. And you, you did a lot of like charity streams, if I recall correctly. There Those were the best. Marathons yeah. and stuff. Weird challenges on that stuff. Um, okay, but that's that's game query, baby. That's that's forever encased in history. You can go to museum and listen to it now in your favorite podcast app if you want. But uh Haley, this is this is reductive, so please forgive me. Um as a way to introduce you to people, I think it's always nice. Favorite games of all time. Can you give us like a top three? Just let us put you in a box, please. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption is my favorite game of all time, the first one. Yeah. Because uh, it made me love games, and I literally wouldn't be doing this, I don't think, if I didn't play that in 2010. Really? Which is, like, such a wow. weird thing to think of. Yeah, I remember I was at, like, a Best Buy or something with my dad, and, like, I played games with my brother growing up, but I've never, like, bought one for me and then, like, this is mine. Besides, like, Nintendogs or, like, the girl <laughs> ones that get shoved to you for your pink DS, like, growing <laughs> up, like, those ones. But it was, like, and oh, I loved it so much, and it made me go out and buy, like, Skyrim and, like, all these other, like, long-form RPGs and, like, try them all out. And then yeah. I was like, whoa, wait, games are awesome. There's so many different types and stuff. Yeah, anyways, I was late to the game. But, yeah, I'd say Red Dead Redemption. I really love Night in the Woods. I think that's Ooh. my favorite story of all time. Yeah. Uh, probably my favorite indie as well. And maybe like mm, Twilight Princess, I think. Let's of Zelda Twilight Princess. Just because I'm like, it's my nostalgia glasses game. Like yeah. I made my best friends playing that 15 years ago and we're still friends. So like, I just think that's because of the game when in reality they're just nice people and I had, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I want to be friends with them. I'm like, no, Twilight Princess did that. That's right. Yeah. If they didn't like Midna, you wouldn't be friends at this point. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Um, okay. Do you know how this works where we're going to be answering a bunch of questions from the community? Can you wrap your brain around it? Because it's going to be pretty complicated stuff. So try and keep up. Uh, Matthias. Okay, thank you. Matthias Julich writes in and say, hello, everybody. Do you think a remake adds to a game's legacy and status or diminishes them as the original gets surpassed and the discussion around the game is diluted? I, I never thought of it this way. Diluted. <laughs> <laughs> Double fine take odyssey. Let's talk more about it. Um, <laughs> it's a deep cut. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. The idea of like, yeah, watering down the legacy of a game. Cause like, you know, I, I was listening to, 
um, the Fire Escape podcast, uh, old Dan Reichert, Mary Kish, and uh, Mike Mahardy over there. And they were talking and debating like the greatest remakes of all time. And there was a part of me that's like they were talking about like Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. And there is a part of me that's like, it is weird now just with that or like Resident Evil 1 when you're talking about the game just to to add that extra bit on the end of being like, well, okay, Metal Gear Solid 1, but you should play the original one and not Twin Snakes. It just like complicates it and does complicating something being this iconic monolith masterpiece. Does that hurt it in a way? I don't think so. I mean, in terms of like reputation i do think that being remake being remade only kind of boosts something i mean like people can certainly be be finicky about it i mean i am you know it's like as as pretty as i think the shadow of the colossus remake is you know if i would love someone to play the ps2 version and not the ps4 version but uh, that being said for you know for people who are younger than me seeing that this PS2 game is important enough to be remade on PS4 is going to give it prestige that it didn't have in their mind previous. So, like, you know, in terms of just, like, raw reputation, I think it can kind of only benefit it. But, you know, I can certainly be annoying about people wanting to, or, like, thinking they should play the original. Uh, Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think the word dilute is interesting because I don't know if I think that a lot of times when games I love get remade, but I, it might depend on the game. Like, you know, sometimes a remake is just making it look pretty, like not so much a remaster. Like they will change aspects of the game, like how it plays and stuff, but mostly it's like to make it look nice. Yeah. And then other times they might cut out certain levels and those might be your favorite levels and then you feel offended. Like I guess it might depend on the game, but I think if it just makes more people play it, and then maybe talk to me about them. Then, like, that's a net positive. Like, that should be good. Yeah. Even yeah. It's not the exact same experience I had playing it. Because otherwise, like, I highly doubt new generations coming in are going to want to play the games we played when we were 10. Because just because they don't look great <laughs> anymore. Like, that's straight up a reason why a lot of people don't want to play those older games. So if they have to twist some stuff to make it fit, like, how games are produced nowadays versus back then for like to be more palatable or whatever. I think, I feel like that's fine, but then I'll say that and there'll be a remake that like ruins my favorite game and I'll be angry tweeting about it. So I don't know. Yeah. I think theoretically it could diminish like the legacy of a franchise that it has to rely on its old entries coming out again versus like being fresh and relevant. But I'm having trouble thinking of an example of that. And like the counter to that is Resident Evil right. doing both remakes and good new games at the same time. Like those are helping each other so much with keeping Resident Evil a super relevant franchise. Yeah, I mean, like Twin Snakes is a really fascinating example because I'm having trouble thinking of another game that like changed the original's tone as radically as Twin Snakes, right? Because like that's that's the problem is that Snake is doing like kickflips off of missiles and <laughs> and it's like, well that's not what the original was like. But you know, other than like the, you know, the the like Silent Hill remakes are terrible, but it's not like they do a different thing they just try and do the original one badly and i don't think i don't think that has like made people think about silent hill as worse we just think of konami as kind of like bad keepers of that ip right give it back to the people i think we all agree that they should just make it public domain just let that ip free to source code let us have it give us it 
Uh, Hieronymus Josh writes in, they say, if you could watch your own stream of a game from a time either before streaming was possible or before you were a streamer, what game or era would you find most interesting to watch yourself play and talk through? Okay, so I'm trying to imagine this. So just a me- so it's like time traveling the concept of a let's play into the past, and so oh, you would just I have this I think I archive? misinterpreted this. How, how do because you read Because I it? thought it was if my past self could see a future game be played oh. by me. Oh, that's also a good question, though. It is good. Yeah, what would your answer for that one be? Mine was going to be, like, seeing seeing me play the Insomniac Spider-Man game when I was, yep. like, eight years old. Oh I think my I would have... My, my head would have blown off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you got an that answer for the PS2 flip, though? one? Is that the one where, like, the level starts out as... He gets in the boxing fight, and then you just get led outside and do whatever you want. Like, and that's essentially. I mean, I played. Fun, I played that, like the PS One Spider Man game, where you were just like yeah. going from like rooftop to rooftop, and there was like no greater city. Uh, yeah. So I and and I thought that was amazing. So. Totally, it's like I can stand on a rooftop even if there's fog everywhere else in the city. This is peak <laughs> gaming. I'm thinking Just Cause 2 just because I played that in a friend's basement in high school. Yeah. And you know, you picture a group let's play for that. And that would be really fun dialogue to hear now. Really fun conversations. Yeah, I think Although I'm going to get canceled. Well, that's, yeah, I was gonna uh, say, that's, that's for your eyes home. <laughs> it'd be an unlisted YouTube video. I think we're all in agreement there. But yeah, that, that's my answer, too. It's just like, yeah, first time playing it with friends are like, you know, I've rambled on too much about it. But like Ronnie and I and our friend Danny, we played through all of Final Fantasy VII Disc 2 and 3 for like for us. It was the first time going through it, like in a basement in one night. And like I would I would kill for a recording of us like reacting for the first time for all that nonsense and Disc 2 and stuff. That's cool. Um, it was really cool. I man. have uh, when my sister and I were little, we would go to play. I think it was Halo 2, not Halo, but there was a custom level creator mode. And we liked it because you could press right on the D-pad and you turn into a little orb. And like when you're an orb, that's when you can input assets to like make the level cool. Right, but right. we just liked the orb. We like thought it was really <laughs> cute. <laughs> we played, we called it Orby and we would literally come home from school, <laughs> run down and open Halo's custom game to play Orby and just come up with like we just role play with Orby like yeah. one time I remember Emma was like in the woods as Orby and I was like stumbling upon her and it was my new pet and I was like taming it like, oh my god that's awesome and you could short you could shoot the orb too and it would explode so there would be like dramatic like I can't believe you and turn around like shoot the orb I would love to just watch us playing that and see what stories we made up are you ever like horrified by that idea like if we all just went back and watched like our greatest play sessions as kids or even just like you know being so like i'm thinking of this i think leo just because leo and i uh for initial plus this week leo came over and we built a lego set and then just spent like 25 minutes just like playing with the lego set at the end and (laughs) it was like a really refreshing nostalgic blast of just being silly and playing with legos but it just made me think of like you know would I be scared if I saw myself playing with Legos back in the day? Cause it's just, it would be so weird and so obnoxious. Would, would you ever be horrified and think you should be hospitalized for how you were treating Orby back in the day? I guess that's the question, Haley. Probably. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, okay. We used to play like my scene dolls and those dolls went through trauma. Like, so like, you know, I can't remember what we made them do, but there was a lot of storylines and plots and probably messed up stuff we did. So yeah, I'd probably get canceled too, just for, what we did to Orby. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, they're an endangered species at this point. Uh, okay. My memory of playing, just because this has come up 
somewhat. I, I, I just have a memory of playing with Bionicles and making them skateboard around the room with a friend and knowing I was too old for it. <laughs> so you but had still chasing that bliss. And you know what? It was, yeah, it was good nostalgia. This past new show plus. I think that's that's good. sad when you're on the cusp of like, Oh no, I shouldn't be doing this, but there's still yeah. a flicker of joy. Just stone face. I had those like trick or treating years where I was kind of looking around. Yes. And like, I don't know if I should be out here anymore. <laughs> right. I don't know if Ninja Turtles, if I can squeeze into this costume one more time. It's it's like, it's sad, but it's like, maybe it's not sad. We should be proud since this is kind of what we love doing is playing games and talking about games. But it's like, I feel like our entire jobs are extensions of that or podcasting about games and still playing games. It still has a little bit of that feeling of like, oh no, that's still, that's still why I like games, I think. It's because I like being silly and playing with Legos and just like games as kids and how that bleeds into still the thrill of a lot of games especially more systemic or multiplayer games like it's, it's much more in the same arena than we'd care to admit we're still just pretending we're little guys <laughs> making silly voices <laughs> yeah, but now we can do it for thousands of people um, alright sleepy mailman says hey everybody time to get serious alright everybody stop having fun hey Min Max uh, now that the dust has settled a bit what was the better open world game was it Elden Ring or Breath of the Wild first <laughs> Yeah, wait, should we should we count down? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so three, two, one. Breath, breath, of, breath the of the wild. Leo, did you make a sound with your little uh, mouth? I said breath of the wild. Oh, okay. All right. I, I heard to <laughs> <laughs> make me choose. This is a play. Um yeah. I, you know, I do I do worry because I have not really touched Breath of the Wild since 2017. And at some point, you know, before Tears of the Kingdom comes out, I want to do a new show plus thing of like going back to my save and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's just I've really built that game up in my mind and my memory of it. But I worry about if I jump back to it, if I'm going to be frustrated. I don't want I don't want anything to ruin that experience. I, I feel you on that, but I also think I can expand pretty well in my mind on why it was so special. Yeah. In a way that I don't think Elden Ring was, but I didn't play that much of it. But just like things about the world and the nature of it and how things work together in it. Elements is what I'm thinking of, you know, with like yeah. protecting yourself from the weather with different types of plants or even stuff you get from like fire enemies or whatever. I thought those systems work together really well not to mention just like that sense of exploration that is still such a touchstone including in a game that we'll talk about at some point soon <laughs> yeah like in most of most of my favorite experiences in elden ring i can think of an like an analog to in breath of the wild right yep uh and and then breath of the wild had things that i could not do in elden ring that i really like you know it's like like yeah. the best parts about elden ring that breath of the wild doesn't have is like combat and combat doesn't make something you know, the greatest open world game of a generation or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's too simplistic. Like, you know, there's still a lot of the same kind of epiphanies and just kind of wow moments in Elden Ring that are comparable to Breath of the Wild. But I think it's just, it just having a world that's more friendly and silly and light, you know, like I will take that any day of the week. And so even if maybe the open world's more impressive in Elden Ring, I think just the, the tone of Breath of the Wild carries so much for it. Um, I've been replaying Breath of the Wild the ooh, last few months. Really? It does hold up. I'm not doing the Divine Beast. Like, I always, I didn't like that part of the game even the first time I played it. Yeah. I just like their mechanics of having to 
I'm bad at 3D space like manipulation. I don't know if it's just the way my brain works, but you remember how you had to like the camel, you had to turn the humps yep. around in order to like yep. access. I really didn't like those parts, but every other part of it, I think, is like, and that's what Tears of the Kingdom will ultimately be like. I'm ho- I'm kind of hoping they don't do Divine Beasts again. They do something else, but well, that's if the exploration is the same. Yeah, I mean, do, is there a well, difference if, in your mind? If we know Nintendo, it's a complete coin flip if they've seen any feedback on that at all, and it's <laughs> going to be random whether that happens or not. Well, and also, I, mean, I think that a lot of people are like, I just wish it had more dungeons. Right. You know, like, that was their feedback for Breath of the Wild, so maybe maybe there will be more dungeons and they won't have rotating things. I remember the first time playing it, I guess I just missed the tutorial message that told you that you could turn things, and so I oh, spent, no. like, like, an now we're just running around in that dungeon being like, what am I missing here? And then the pause screen was like, turn it. <laughs> I yeah, I, I was I think it was on uh, Game Informer's All Things Nintendo podcast. Like I think Kyle Hilliard, if you're familiar with that fella, he was talking about like the hardest bosses in Breath of the Wild and stuff. For me, it was totally that the boss in the camel uh, divine beast is it like, wasn't that, like the lightning one that was really fast. Blight Ganon. Yeah, that's I, I mean, I think most people. Yeah, talk about that okay. as, like, one of the hardest, right? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'll take that as Kyle was wrong. I forget which one he said. you're also in, like, like, a puddle of water, right? So any damage he does is, like, electrifies you or something? Yeah, I just remember being a pain in the ass, and I don't know if I was doing it wrong. But, uh, did you go in your stick with a stick in your underpants, or did you actually have stuff? Stick and underpants for the entire away? game. Yeah, oh, that's how cool. it's done. Uh, Noel writes in and says, Hello, you folks ever carry your pet or baby or other living being and pretend they're a camera slash director? My cat loves to chill on my back and I'll try to see where his head is facing so I can give him a good angle of whatever he's interested in. There'll be times like when my partner is cooking and I'll dramatically move around so he'll get the shot he's looking for. Purrs mean I'm doing good work while meows mean I'm missing the shot. Well, thank you for writing in about this. So it's kind of like you treat your cat like a little lackatoo and you're just like steering it around your house the entire time. Might also mean your camera wants to be put down. (laughs) Not put I, I, down, put down, but put on the ground. Either down, way. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, thank okay. you. <laughs> I, I bring my cat around to smell stuff all the time. I give him a, the treat of what? smelling things that are high off the ground. Things oh, we're cooking, man. things in the fridge, what have you. Mm, that's good. Smell things. I like that as an angle. Um, he always, saw- yeah, reaches his head out and sniffs them. He, he's, he's into it. Huh. I can't carry my dog now. I did that with my previous dog. Not with a, ca- not as a camera, but just like. <laughs> Coco, would you like to see what the fridge freezer looks like? And like, like things she's never seen. I don't know. I did that a few times. Was Coco into it? <laughs> yeah, well, not really. She was like, uh. okay. She didn't really care about anything, <laughs> to be honest. Also, uh, a pro tip if you're carrying cat, dog, anything, if you're like partners around, you can go and pretend to shoot them with yeah. a cat or dog. Okay. Absolutely. Every time. That's fun. Cats are the best because they like scrungle up when you... Yeah. <laughs> when you cock a cat? Yeah. yeah. Sure yeah. can. <laughs> All right. Very satisfying gunplay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Smithridson says, Hey, this question is for Haley. Everybody else, please shut up. If you could force the rest of the MinMax crew to play through one game and discuss it, which game would it be and why? I feel like that's kind of just deepest dive. So I guess if, if you could force everybody else to do a deepest dive, is there one you'd go for? I'd love to see a deepest dive for like a choice based game because then it would be like everyone would be coming with different outcomes and then it'd be interesting to try to like think about what might happen next. It might not be good for a deepest dive to do that because then everyone's like, how do you cut it off? Because everyone's stuff might be different. Like not so much 
Detroit Become Human because that game's choice, but also I don't love it. But like like a Telltale, a good Telltale series or something like that would be really interesting. Like season one of Walking Dead. Like that that's would be interesting to go back to. Yeah, choice game ever. I replayed that like last year and it holds up so well. Really, that first season's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I worry about. I mean, even back in 2012, it was like this thing is steeped in jank and i worry about that but it's like the story and the music is so good that like yeah it's, it's yeah they have like a like a remake of like a remaster oh, i forgot about then. that and it's like a whole it's like seasons one through is there four seasons i think yeah two and three and four are okay but one is still the goat like one's such a good season it's the best telltale thing yeah All right, walking that, also that now that the game's 10 years old you could just be like oh this is what games played like in 2012 you right. know it's yeah. it's easier to forgive it where when you were in 2012 you were like oh this still feels bad right that's right. true yeah we kind of had a little bit of that with the indiana jones and the fate of atlantis leo you know oh, where it's yeah. like we all had like different branches to the story and like that was kind of the the cool hook of that game it's like okay it's an old school adventure game but also all of us played a completely different game because we chose different paths and stuff which is lucky like there's yeah. a perfectly good chance without coordinating like we didn't Mm -hmm. we would all just end up doing the same thing yeah uh chris dakin writes in and says what has been the deepest dive you were happiest you did could be from the discussion you had being forced to play a game you might have normally played or whatever reason p.s psychonauts 2 for the next deepest dive as a pairing for the celebration of double fine psych odyssey (laughs) we can't we can't we can't afford any more talk about double fine on this channel um (laughs) although that would be really fun i wanted to do psychonauts 2 when it came out but the timing just didn't exactly work out but i think it would have been a good deepest dive but um, I was just thinking about this the other day, Chris, because uh, I was thinking about how happy I am that we did the deepest dive on Chrono Cross. Because like, I think there's so many games, I have a big list of them, like, oh, it'd be fun to do a deepest dive on this at some point. It's not going to do gangbusters numbers, but it'd be fun to just like unpack this thing from my childhood in such a thorough way. And like Chrono Cross, I think, is still number one on that heap for just like, God, I'm so happy that we all got together and Reb from IGN was such a good sport and we got to unpack Chrono Cross for so many hours like that's such a, a cool archive to have for the rest of my life of like you know because it, it was like the perfect example of just a game that i loved as a kid had real really no sense of how it would age and then going back to it and actually being like okay let's let's actually spend hours talking about this story beat from chrono cross it's like that is that is peak deepest dive content baby i loved it it's in every like top at least 20 list of all ever i've ever seen too right? chrono cross like- yeah, it's always up there. Well, yeah, Chrono Trigger always beats it, but there's definitely the freaks for Chrono Cross that are like, the, they defend that over Chrono Trigger and stuff, which is interesting to see. And having yeah. played both those for the deepest dive, Trigger's the correct answer, but Cross is is charming as all hell. It's got heart, baby. It's the wanted dead of uh, 2000. Yeah, a bad game. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, uh, I gotta go with the the thing, deepest dive. Oh, yeah. That's like the most interesting weird one I've been a part of. That was fun. Uh, I'm so glad like I got to devour all of those comic books for the thing and just tracking like what okay, every version of the story of the thing, every multimedia thing, where did they where did they take that storyline just to have it all in one recording is sweet. Yeah. Um, um I haven't been on that many, but Ishin, man. Oh yeah. Is so is so good. I mean, we're in the middle of it, but like I those games are so big that just playing through it by yourself, it's like I you know, there are so many plot points that would kind of wash over me if I didn't have a group that I was like talking to about it. And I probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have played as much of this game at all. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Sarah and Michael grasp the historical place that it is set in so much better than I do, and I'm getting so much yep. more out of hearing yeah. them talk about it than and just playing it. For sure, and for Michael Heim just to like have those callbacks, like, okay, this is a reference to that one scene in Yakuza 2, this is blah, blah, blah. Like, he just has this encyclopedic knowledge of the entire series, which is amazing. Um, also, shout out to, I forget their name, but somebody built, um, built out the official MinMax Wikipedia page, which... I wasn't able to do myself, but I've been uh, having my fingers crossed and maybe nudging people in the community the right direction of like, could somebody please make that? Because I think it'd be really sweet. And so now we have an official MinMax Wikipedia page and it's fun that we have, uh, there's a whole chart for like all the deepest dives. So it's fun to have those all in one place because our official site, MinMax.com, can only store so many. It's a, it's a weird layout thing. Um, we should get their name for next time. That's a good idea. Um, Adam Castellanos says, hello, just want to say thank you to Jacob Geller for suggesting me listen to the Beths a couple of podcasts ago. They are now one of my favorite bands and I'm seeing them live soon. Oh yeah. A person's life. You did. That's what this podcast is all about. Jacob Geller. Congratulations. Um, Andy Wera writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, do you prefer... Th- oh, no question there? <laughs> that was basically it, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Andy <laughs> says, do you prefer things or experiences? From Andy Wera. <laughs> mm. I kind of like things. You is like things. <laughs> yeah, that is bad, actually. That is objectively the incorrect um, answer. Oh, I know that that's like the late stage cap. There <laughs> we go. Yeah, I just when I get a good thing, it really makes my day better. What's you know? what's like the little... last good thing you got? Uh, I'm like looking around. Oh, I got a new phone case, and it's like Super Smash Bros. characters, and Ooh. I look at it all the time, and I go, "That's a good thing." That's my good old thing. one was really broken. But isn't us experiencing your joy of that thing more valuable? Hmm. Yeah, I'm glad no. I don't have the Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah. I just want to hear about it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I have a twisted brain. I am genuinely proud of myself for how little I care about things. Like, I, 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 I want to go back and, like, just analyze what my parents did right or wrong or something. Just how little of a crap I care about what car I drive or anything. It's just, I am I am delighted by myself for how little I care about owning things um i mean i'm not gonna be a maniac living on a mountain with nothing but like i just it's so refreshing just to not care about you know appearances and those types of things tesla newest tesla right whatever yeah yeah. like it's it's genuinely mind-boggling when people are really into expensive stuff like this like i won't call anybody out but Friend of a friend is really into like collecting watches that are like thousands I of dollars. I knew you were going to say watches. It's always watches. Rolex I was watches. also thinking about as maybe <laughs> the most useless thing. I always think when someone gets into watches, it's like I have too much money. Yes. It's like it doesn't yes. make sense for me to have this much money unless I start buying something that makes no sense. Yeah. So I'm going to start buying watches. Uh, new rule. You buy watches, go on a watch list. Hang on, hold for applause. By the way, shout out uh, Tommy W is the person who made that Wikipedia page. I found him in my uh, mentions there. So nice. The W stands for Wikipedia. Uh, my partner and I are always watching uh, expensive house tours on YouTube. Ooh, and going uh, that's stupid. Yes, that's yeah. stupid. Right, you don't need that. I think there who needs to be that? more of that. It, maybe not in a dickish way, but there needs to be more like shaming expensive things in society i think of just like it should be embarrassing if you just have this over-the-top house right 
I think it's yeah. one step further. You should be embarrassed if you have the money that would allow you to buy that over yeah, the That's an interesting angle. That's an interesting angle. But <laughs> it is who, weird seeing the comments on those and finding no one agreeing with us. And maybe they're just getting downvoted by the the rich heads that love watching the those rich videos. Heads. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my um my nephews, um, you know, they're they're watching a couple Mr. Beast videos here and there. You know, like good good fashion children. And um at some point we're talking just being silly and Saying like, oh, what do you want for your birthday? I think is what it was. I mean, if he was like six, and he's like, I want a Lamborghini. It's like, what oh, is no. this? Like, where? And it's like, it's I realize it's coming from Mr. Beast because they have so many challenges. Like, you want this Lamborghini? You gotta sit on it for fourteen days or whatever the hell. It's like this is what it results in is just six years olds being like, the coolest thing in the world is a Lamborghini. It's like, oh, goddamn. Don't it. you want the experience of sitting on it for fourteen days? <laughs> Uh, Connor McCabe writes in and says, Hey, Min, and also Max, I miss you all. Um, hello, Connor. Thank you for being here. When I was 12, parentheses too old, they say, I was very afraid of roller coasters and pretended I had to poop at the point of no return in Space Mountain and the line in Disneyland to get out of having to go on the ride. What's the silliest thing you've done in your life to avoid something? Excuse me, getting choked up. Uh, to avoid something you were afraid of. Silliest thing you've ever done. That's that. I feel like that's my entire childhood is just being so scared of things. I was just frantically, my mind was just a roulette wheel of trying to figure out some way to get out of it because I was so scared. For sure. Yeah, there were sleepovers feels. where I would, you know, they're watching a scary movie and I was like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to head to bed, actually. <laughs> but the story my mom loves to tell is when I went to see snakes on a plane, probably at age 14, and I was really stealing myself. I was like, it's R rated. It might not be that scary. And then it started, and my memory of how that movie starts is it's like fun opening credits over <laughs> shots of the Bahamas or something, some right. Florida, somewhere tropicals feeling. And I'm like, okay, I can get into this, sure. And then it's hard cuts to a guy like being tortured, like hung upside down and what? being cut or whatever. <laughs> what? That's my memory of it. I don't think I've seen it since then. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to step out, head to the bathroom, and I go outside and I'm pacing. I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I'm way too scared to watch this. <laughs> and I end up concocting a lie. And I just go hang out at the Apple store and I go meet my friends when they come out. And I go, yeah, somebody, uh, a staff guy saw me going back into the theater and wouldn't let me come back. In. Oh, that's no. That's a good lie. Yeah, it's a pretty good lie. I, that, I was like, what's he going to say? Is that Tommy Hurts? His mom's mad? That was the most believable one. But yeah, on. I want to be cool. I did something <laughs> cool, but they didn't <laughs> let me. No, the internet taught me, yeah, Snakes of Blaine was funny. It was funny, but hang on. So you weren't scared of snakes? You were scared of men getting tortured? <laughs> Knew the snakes would be even harder to handle. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me, have you ever seen that film then? After that? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Do you think you could have handled the idea of, like, I remember at some point, and again, we all, everybody on Earth has a vague memory of seeing snakes on a plane. Something about a PSP being important for landing the plane. But I remember... Yeah, Keenan Thompson had played flight sims, so he knew how to land a plane. Right, right. But at some point, like, doesn't a guy go to the bathroom, and then a snake comes out and bites him on the little dingaling? Oh, That's no. correct. Do you think that would have been traumatizing at 14? Are you glad you left because you didn't have to see that scene? Um, kind of. I think even at the time, it was like, it's always worse in your imagination than it actually is, which right. is certainly how it is for me now. Yeah. You're cool, dude. Don't worry about it. it so maybe I would have been less traumatized by it if I had seen it. But my mom really does love that story. We were like, there was a, some kind of neighborhood get together I went to recently where she brought me over and had me talk to their like... F- 
neighbor's kid who had been who was like really scared of horror movies and she wanted me to tell that story and be like it's okay to be scared and it's brave to to say no it's brave to lie but i like in in that kid's (laughs) mind now like snakes on a plane is like this it's like the shining like i'm sure in that telling of it now there's like well that's the scariest movie of all time and that's going to be just baked in forever maybe i didn't i don't think i even said the name of the movie i don't think i gave a lot of details (laughs) there's you know what really scares me There's a thing on Blank Check where they talked about horror movies as a kid, like you hearing about them and thinking that the movie would be like a demon comes out of the screen and kills you. Yes. Like that's how scary it would <laughs> yes. be. And then you'd watch it and be like, oh, it's a movie. Right. Like, it's like it's. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't be like literally murdered by this movie. <laughs> I, I watched Unfriended 2 Dark Web with friends a few <laughs> years ago. And the first 20 minutes of that movie are really effective tension building. And I was like, this actually might be really scary. I'm actually kind of freaked out oh, no. of this concept. Like the first one was a total joke, but this one's actually freaking me out. And then and then the unfriended monster shows up 20 minutes and it's instantly all tension is gone from the movie. <laughs> like, oh, that's what we're doing here. You're this, this close to having to like walk outside and be like, yeah, some guy came and wouldn't let me back in your house. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, the cops showed up. <laughs> uh, Brett MV87 writes in and says, hey, Min Maxers, uh, I just st- wanted to start by saying I'm a longtime fan of y'all. This is my first time ever writing into something like this in general. Brett, wow. thank you. Nice. I hope you like the game I have in mind. Oh, pressure's on to everybody. Give it up for Brett. Come on. We got to really is enjoy this. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Brett says, I like to call this who has played more. The rules are simple. I will give you a few of my favorite gaming IPs and you discuss amongst yourselves who has played the most entries in each franchise. Who has played the most The Legend of Zeldas? Now here, before we even dive in, what does what does this mean to you? Rolling credits? More than two hours? What's the What's the distinction, you think? For Zelda, I feel like rolling credits is fair. Rolling credits. Maybe for other ones it won't be, but for Zelda, that feels fair. I think let's do rolling credits. That, that seems like a, a clean way to do it, because I've dabbled with so much crap, but... And oh, by crap, yeah, I, mean I guess classic that's true. Games. As, as part of your career. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think touching the most Zelda games would normally be instructive that you're the biggest fan. I bet I've touched every Zelda game, but I don't think I'm the biggest fan in here by a mile. Like, Haley, imagine you've rolled credits on the most... I've rolled. Should I count? Yeah. Should we count? Do it. Have you missed any big ones? Maybe it would be easier. Yeah. Um, I haven't missed any big ones. How far back do you go? I remember playing Link's Awakening. Okay. The first when I was really little. Um, like there's a few of the spinoff ones that I didn't. Like I haven't played Phantom Tracks or Spirit Tracks. Spirit tra- Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks. Phantom of the Hourglass, yeah. <laughs> but I think besides that, I beat Triforce Heroes. What? I, high- I love Triforce. I used to play it on the plane a lot. Make a statue. My God. It, it, <laughs> I want to defend that game because I played it once on a plane too when like Ben Reeves was reviewing it. And like I had a blast. Like we laughed so much playing that game that in my mind it's a positive thing. But th- I thank God. We have somebody who can defend Triforce Heroes. I love that game. I remember playing it on the plane on my way to Minneapolis, actually, back in 2016. The, like, the whole flight, that's all I played. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Were you playing it by yourself? Yeah. Okay, tear the statue down. That's weird. I, we, can't, oh, okay. we can't sign Sorry. off on that. <laughs> no, I, I think just, it's more impressive. Yeah, maybe you're right. She okay. played the not-fun version of it. <laughs> and still have fun. <laughs> I had uh, no friends to play with. <laughs> I would... Uh, I, 
I would, and I haven't played any of the CDI one. Those ones don't count. No, really. what are we doing? Yeah, oh, it's well. it, okay. So you're the champion of Zelda. Resident Evil, who's who's rolled, rolled credits on the most? I mean, just two for me. Yeah, two, three, four for me. Or I mean, four and eight for me. Not two, but two entries for me. Yeah, I guess okay. I'm. I I haven't played a lot of the old ones, but like since four, I've played basically all of them except six and the remakes too. I take it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I've played. I mean, like since since the release of four, I think I've rolled credits on almost all of them. Uh, all right. You know, with except not those not the ones where you're Claire that were like on the DS or whatever. DS. Are you not thinking of Code Veronica? Code. No. The, the ones where you're on like a boat. Revelations. 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 Okay. Yeah. The 3DS ones. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't beat those, but still, you know, I four, five, uh, seven, eight, two, three. All right. You're done. Again. You're hey, done. You I'm the only person here who's beat number. four remake. <laughs> <laughs> my private phone number, dude. <laughs> that one's private. Uh, Final Fantasy. I think I probably got that one. Uh, everyone else seems horrified, but yeah, let's see. Uh, I've yeah, started, I started almost all of them, I think. But yeah, that for like rolling credits would be like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Huh? That feels like a weird drop off after that, but yeah, I guess that's it. All right, I'll take it. And um, seven twice, also seven twice. That's right. Um, and World of Final Fantasy, of course. Uh, and then it's not listed here, but Hitman. Oh, Leo Vader. I'll be damned. Look at you. You're the champion of that one, buddy. I guess. I've <laughs> <laughs> beaten the new trilogy only. That's it. I uh, think I rolled credits on Absolution. So sweet. You know, watch yes. out. Uh, Jason. I've only done the new trilogy as well for Hitman. Oh, wait. Hitman. I'm sorry, Leo. Yeah, you aren't special anymore. It turns out everybody else uh, has played Hitman and enjoyed it too. Leo, Did you play much Freelancer? Hitman. Did you play much no. Freelancer, Haley? No, but I wanted to, but I just kind of, well, I was trying to combine all my stuff on one file back when it was so confusing to do so. Has it gotten easier yet? I don't know. But like I had my one and two files and I platinum three and I was trying to transfer everything so I could just like have fun with all my stuff. And it was like a math problem to do that. And Mm. I kind of hopped off. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jason Wojnar says, better quest goal, everybody. Significantly increasing my Ukrainian vocabulary and reading comprehension. I already speak Ukrainian, but now I'm reading Cassandra by Lesia Ukrenka. And god dang, you don't realize how many words and ideas you don't engage with every day until you start reading literature in your second language. I only get through about a page a day, but I'm really good at retaining words with index cards. Hey, shout out. Way to go, Jason. That's that's impressive. Yeah, they ask if anybody who speaks a second language has ever tried reading a book there in it, but like... No, Mm-mm. technically I speak a little Spanish, but like, I don't think I ever tried the reading a book. The little prince when I was in junior high, maybe. Is that That's French? Like only French. Yeah, it's French. How was, uh, how was it, your French overall living up there in Canada? Not good. Oh. It, it's like our, what we learn as a second language all through elementary school, junior high and high school. But as soon as you get to university, you're like, you don't need it anymore. So it falls yeah. out of your head. Unless you live in like a French like speaking province which i don't so right right disappeared from my brain immediately Haley, do you think i'd like nova scotia nova scotia is awesome yeah it's really fun here it's a city but it's not huge so it's like everything's walkable but it still feels like you're in a city which i feel like is rare yeah i think i would just like the vibe up there i just feel like i want to go soak it in it feels like a friendly place maybe it's because you're friendly and i think most canadians are but what do you think is the most like friendly province in canada 
Uh, probably one of the maritime ones. Like, yeah. I'm probably going to say Nova Scotia just from because I'm from here. But I've heard that, like, you know, people from PEI are super nice. Like, that is like a super small island that's near us. That's a province, but it's like so small. So right, like, everyone's, right. It's like mostly farmers and stuff there. <laughs> They're what just the- nice. Did you um did you ever see the musical the nine eleven musical that's good and fun about the planes oh, landing? Come from away. Come from away. Thank you. That's a better way to pitch it is with the title rather than saying nine eleven musical. Did you ever no. see that thing, Haley? <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Oh, it's on. Is it about Nova Scotia? It's yeah. So all the planes land. Nine eleven. Hang on, help me out, Jacob Geller. Is it not Nova Scotia? Come from. I thought it was away. like Greenland. No, it's Canada, Newfoundland. I'm sorry, Newfoundland. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's near. That's near me. It's just, it's the only thing further east than me is, is Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay, all right. Yeah, but the idea is uh, a bunch of planes got rerouted from all over the world on nine eleven, and they landed in Newfoundland, and then everybody just like opened their doors and welcomed these people in, and just like, hey, eat all the oh. food you want, sleep in these beds, and like it's just an amazing story of like all these different cultures from around the world. Like there were planes, and it, where, and like, it was like like triple the population yes. of the place, so it was like way more people than ordinarily lived there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like as heartwarming as a story can possibly get. And the musical is surprisingly good, too. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Drake Heinhorst. Oh, which has the higher percentage? Anime fans who enjoy gaming or gaming fans who enjoy anime? The first one. The first one, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then Drake says, do you think there's any entertainment medium or hobby that has a higher crossover with gamers than anime? wrestling fans and gaming fans i feel like there's a lot of weird overlap there but yeah we're, we're yeah kind of... but i can i can picture in my imagination a lot of wrestling fans that are not gamers yeah there's a lot of sports gamers because they just only play the one sports game a year that comes out i guess so so they're, they're what if i mean what if it was like fifa players and soccer fans yeah, that's huge. Okay. You know? I guess that's you know, it. like people who watch the World Cup and people who play FIFA, right? Except right. reverse those, flip it. Uh, Chandler yeah. writes in and says, "What's your honest opinion?" And this is not a place for lies. This podcast needs to be honest at all times. What's your honest opinion on people who refuse to dance? They're on their own journey, and I hope they open up someday. Have you? So you don't judge. You haven't like changed as you've gotten older for judging them harsher or anything i mean i've changed myself there's definitely a time where i was more self-conscious about dancing the first time i was sober at a wedding and (sighs) danced was like that felt big for me you know it's easy when you're drinking but that was to me like okay this is real proof of like having made some ground with uh my confidence level absolutely i I hope people who don't dance at least aspire to that i think uh, yeah i I've found myself being a little judgy of people who like refuse to dance at a wedding. And I think what it is, if I really want to psychoanalyze myself is like, I'm judging my past self. Cause I feel like for the first 26 years of my life, I'd be like, ah, dancing, I can't do it. And then at a certain point, it's like, you know what? F it. Just sing karaoke's fun. Dancing at a wedding. It's fun. And it's always just a lesson of like, no one cares about you. No one's looking no. at you. Like yeah. no one gives yeah. a crap. No one's there to judge. If you just go out there and, move around a little bit you will have i mean at a wedding you will increase your enjoyment of that experience tenfold you know what i mean and so I, every time i see somebody not getting up and dancing like, what, what are you doing why are you robbing yourself of enjoyment and i feel like and again this is maybe too too much but i always just i project this idea of like i am projecting them feeling like 10 percent of them wants to be out here 
I can, at, at the end, that's me being weird, but I feel like I can feel people being torn about the guilt of like, eh, I don't want to, but maybe I should. And that stresses me out. Just like, just jump in and do it, everybody. I've also seen so, so many older couples in my life where one of them wants to and the other doesn't. Right. Like, it's it's yeah. not the whole deciding factor, but it's like, I sure never want to be that for my partner, like holding that experience back for them. That hits yeah. different than one person who's a little uncomfy. Like if the person you choose to be your person is like, can you do this with me? And you're like, no. Right. That hits different than like you just yourself not feeling like dancing. For sure. I mean, I, I agree with everything that y'all are saying, but like as someone who like doesn't have a fear of public speaking, like dancing in public is like one of the like highest list of like like i would put it like above bungee jumping of like things <laughs> okay. i really need to psych myself up for yep. you know yeah. it's like yeah. it's not i i agree that it's enjoyable i agree that you'll have a better time if you do it stepping over that ledge is like it's like i think i would genuinely have an easier time jumping out of a plane sometimes than like time to get on the dance floor so you have <laughs> yeah. done it before and you enjoyed it more when you did it What's that? So you have done it before, though? You have? Oh, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll do it. I Again, I don't want to be the person, like, standing off, but it's just, it, it, it's, it, it is that, like, that step on where you're like, I'm going to get out of my head, yeah. I find unbelievably challenging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I am totally with you. I think maybe I'm just <laughs> an egomaniac for, like, being really proud of myself for getting over that hurdle over these last couple of years of my life, you know? There was also one time where I was, uh, had an edible instead of drinking at a wedding and the dancing started outside on the concrete. And that was an experience I can't even put into words of trying to, trying to dance on concrete is so different than trying to dance on the dance floor. <laughs> really? It feels so much worse. Huh. <laughs> and trying to move your body like that in that state I was in, that uh, felt like a mistake. But when I moved inside, it was perfect. You needed a little bit of cardboard so you could do some like shuffling yeah. dancing. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't do my classic moves. Is it too yeah. late? Could I change my let's play from the past answer to a let's play of just watching Leo dance on concrete while on too high? Concrete. That's really good. <laughs> uh, Thomas Gates writes in and says, oh, by the way, Jacob, have you seen After Sun yet? No, I, I it's high on my list, but I haven't okay. seen it. I, oh, I, I think you would like it. And there's... It, there's a part that reminds me of this question here, and it's just like, okay. oh, God, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Thomas Gates writes in and says, hey, Maxers, I listened to the Max spoilers you did for The Last of Us uh, season one, and I'm curious of what everybody else thought of the finale. I personally thought it was great, and I can't wait for more. I'm also with Ben in that I prefer uh, part two. Uh, so they're looking forward to that. But yeah, Leo, did you watch The Last of Us finale? Do you have hot thoughts on this thing? Uh, um, I... Through, throughout, I really liked the stuff they added, and I could not really get into the stuff that's shot for shot from the game. It just was always distracting to me, which is not an indictment on the uh, show exactly. It's just I really never stopped thinking of, yeah, here, then the next line comes up. And then it, it was more like this in the game, but now I'm watching it happen like this, right. even though it's the same dialogue. But the ending still hit for me. I thought it was really interesting and it was it was weird though going like I was more moved by that 3D guy's performance during this scene. Than Pedro <laughs> Pascal right now. And right. maybe that's because it was more fresh but also you know having replayed the game multiple times even in the most recent playthrough that that ending and that that ambiguous ending hit me I, harder I mean, in the game. Yeah, I I finished uh finished watching it last night with uh with my partner who had not didn't know the story mm. uh you know was was you know completely kind of experiencing it fresh and um 
an interesting thing is we we watched the game ending like immediately after and it's so close but there is can, can i I don't know, gesture at spoilers for The Last of Us. Uh, okay, just... gesture spoilers, everybody. Um, in, <laughs> I don't know. In the game, in the game, when Ellie is saying, here's, you know, here's what happened to me. Like, you know, this this was uh, whatever. Here's what happened to me in the mall. Um, she says, I'm still waiting for my turn. And in the show, she does not say that. And like when we watched that in the game, my partner was like, that is such a better line than what they had in the show, mm. you know, of of like communicating the emotional conflict that Ellie is like feeling of like, I am still waiting to die makes that that whole thing hit so much harder. And so I'm not sure if the the the, you know, the show totally sold the ending of the game as well. But I guess my broader question is just like. I kind of don't know what the show is like. Is is its purpose just people who haven't played the game? Now you can see the story. Like, is that mm. is that it? And thinking about it more critically is just a waste of time yes. because, like, when trying to think about like what are they, what are they doing with this? Like, what's what is their purpose? I just can't think of anything that is kind of newly added by the show even with the you know like the the episode with nick offerman and stuff that i thought yeah. was great like i really i really loved but it's like it doesn't it doesn't change what the last of us is and i just i don't know if there is an answer if i'm just looking too deeply yeah i don't know if anybody's ever told you this before you might be thinking about it too much Jacob. but i think i mean the, the key idea i think is yeah just finding a new audience for that story you know, and it's like, even if it is so close to the game, it's like, I guess in their minds, it's it's worth it to expand the fan base of The Last of Us by tenfold. Like, I don't but know. It, but yeah, but it's, it's like, like, that's just that's just raw capitalism. Then, you know, wow. it's like I want there to be an artistry for it and not just the audience is bigger, you know, and I, well, I kind of I like don't I don't I don't understand if you if you painted something. 10 years later, you just paint it in exactly the same way. It, it just like it artistically, it doesn't make sense to me that they wouldn't. That it would just be the same thing as it was 10 years ago. But and and whatever quotes from the director that were controversial or whatever, not thinking about that, taking that totally away from it. It doesn't feel like it's. Is proud to have been a video game at all. It It's like I I, I think we should be more proud to have that as a game and can get people who are like, oh, I like the world of The Last of Us. I should check out what that game is. And now there's no reason for them to do that. Yeah, I had a weird experience, actually, where I was talking to my neighbor and he's an older guy, um, but he's watching The Last of Us and he knows that, you know, I talk about games and stuff. So they're like, oh, The Last of Us, huh? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I went and I actually found online a, a copy on uh, for my P3, as he put it. And I was like, PS3? What is it? Okay. But he's like, <laughs> yeah, I got a copy for my P3 and I've been playing through it. And uh, it's like, it's the exact same story. It's like, what the hell is this? And he's like, and the story isn't that good anyway. It's like, well, I, I don't understand. Like, it's just, you know, it's like, like yeah, it's like, what is this game and who, what is the audience they're roping in? What do they do with this? Like, that is just a crystallization of that in my mind. It's like, okay, this guy liked the show so much, but he didn't like the story that much. And then he's 
horrified by the fact that the game is so close to the show. Like, I, it's so bizarre. Um, but I, I, I like the show overall, and I do like that first game a lot. But it, yeah, it was hard not to think of the word like cowardly. Wow. Truly. Truly. I, and I was unsure the whole season of how I would land on it for that reason. Because again, I do like the stuff they added. But yeah, it was like, I, I'm with Jacob. I just didn't. It, it had, it could have had a purpose and chose not to. <laughs> it's what, really what, hard. I don't understand. Yeah, what, the, I mean, what does that mean? What would the purpose possibly be? Like, you know, it let Neil Druckmann tweak a couple of things in the story here and there, but just like you would want them to completely reinvent it so Neil Druckmann can feel more critically satisfied from it? I don't care about Neil Druckmann. Oh. I actively, yeah, I <laughs> anti-care about him. But yeah, it's like, I think, I feel like I wish I, as a viewer who knew what happened in the game, I could come away with anything other than, yep, that's what happened in the game. Yeah, it's it's like they're lucky that gamers love when the stuff in the show is just like the stuff from the game. Right. And it was not their purpose to, to make gamers happy. It just, they just happened to because gamers like that. Because you, you feel rewarded. It does feel like, I don't know, like a weird validating thing. I'm like, okay. Now my parents are into this story that I was really into back in 2013. It feels like I do know a thing or two about storytelling. Maybe that's like a core thrill of seeing how close it is and how much. Yeah. And I think that's like just the worst thing that gamers do is constantly seek validation from art forms that they like don't know or care about. You know, I feel like this is this has been the story for the past like 30 years of like, finally, we'll be taken seriously. And it's like, well, it's taken seriously by just making it into something else yeah i'm i'm excited to see what season two is and how yes. they because since the world building has been my favorite part they're gonna have so many opportunities to do that I'm very yeah and also yeah i just i think two is it is so strange and interesting and tore the gaming world apart yeah i can't wait to see what happens i think it's gonna be way more conversations by just gamers of the plot of two so i'd be interested to see how that like when they take a dimension out and it's just a show, like how are people who don't touch the games going to view mm-hmm. that season? It's going to be bizarre. And yeah, so it seems like they're breaking it up into, into two seasons there uh, for last of us part two. But yeah, I, I am so curious. I think, I think people might be pissed. I think in our mind, it's always like, well, gamers were the most furious about last of us part two. And I guess, you know, the amount of hate that the developers got and stuff, it maybe would be tough to compare it to, but I bet, I bet there are going to be a lot of people who are just like fans of the show that are, horrified by the direction they go in for part two they, yeah. yeah they'll stop watching yeah. i think i think there there might and look i i hope i'm not wrong on this there might be less like overt misogyny in it you know yeah. like i have trouble picturing people getting as mad about like a woman with muscles as gamers did but <laughs> because but, because gamers could pretend that women with muscles don't exist but now you'll be looking at one <laughs> <laughs> she's real yeah Yeah. they'll probably just have one of those like halloween like body suits for the actor though so yeah (laughs) it'll be the arrested development michael (laughs) said she comes out with t-shirts stuffed in her shirt (laughs) look hbo's got a hell of a budget but this one thing it doesn't exist i don't know what we're gonna do uh joe dean writes and says i'm currently on the hunt for an apartment and i'm trying to find a nice place based only on my income i don't want a roommate so as a chance to challenge or confirm my choice what are some of yours some of your all's memorable roommate stories. Oh, when I lived in Minneapolis, I had three roommates, but none of them were ever there. So I was alone all the time. That was awesome. That sounds but great. I had one roommate and when she was around, her girlfriend would come around too and she was super nice. But my 
roommate kind of implied that she was like a criminal. <laughs> what? I know, like never overtly, but like <laughs> she always had like wads of cash and like I th- I don't know what she did, but I was so intrigued. And then one time she took us all to sushi and it was like a thousand dollars worth of sushi and she just slapped down cash and we and she was like, Don't worry, y'all, and we like left. And I was like, and I was what so intrigued by her. She, but she was really nice to me. She's like, nice to meet you, Haley. Like, really lovely. But <laughs> and I didn't want to say, like, is, is she a drug dealer? Like, what's going yeah. on? Like, I, Nice so to I meet you, Haley. Asked. If you ever have any problems, you come to me first. They got to go through <laughs> me before they get to you. Weird. Exactly. Weird. I was just so, I mean, should I have taken the sushi? Am I culpable now? <laughs> Who knows? But, like, I just was always so curious. And when she'd come around to, like, watch movies, I'd be like, Oh, I wonder, like, what is she, what did she do? <laughs> what a mystery! <laughs> what a mystery! Um, my my first year in college, I was roommates with just like a random, you know, total total kind of random selection guy, and um, I mean, we we were very different uh, politically and and whatever. But like, the main thing that I remember that isn't like negative; it's just so funny. Is that was the year that Grand Theft Auto Five came out. I think, yeah, and and um, he he played a lot of GTA five and then eventually got to a point where I don't know if he had actually like finished the story or if he just decided what this is what he liked to do. But almost every day he would just get a semi in that game and he would try and drive it up like the highest mountain (laughs) in the game and kind of like, you know, the physics are realistic. So it was like kind of hard to do. And if you messed up, it would tumble down. But I just remember like one of his friends walked into our room and he's like, every day I come over here and you're just driving that truck up that damn hill. (laughs) And it was just like such a strange, specific thing to be like, this is what this game is. (laughs) It's a beautiful allegory in a way. Sisyphean. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Patrick Hughes. Sisyphus, specifically Sisyphusian. Sophisticated. Uh, that's right. Patrick Hughes writes in and says, Hello, good lads and laddies of MinMax. Happy St. Patrick's Day! Um, in the spirit of all things green, I propose the following question. Who is the best green character in video games? A.K.A. the Green Supreme. All right. In March Madness fashion, I've randomly determined your top candidates in the below bracket to face off. We don't have to come up with our own. Uh, they'll just okay, determine. Good. I was googling us. green. <laughs> just the word green. Um, okay. Green. Ra- round one. Oof. Tough. Frog from Chrono Trigger versus Luigi from Mario. Luigi. However, Luigi can take off his green. Like he's not sleeping in green every night, you know. Unless he's so, are we evaluating them purely on <laughs> greenness? I think so. I think that'll make this move the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the frog is easily greener. Who wow. has more square footage of green? All right, frog is greener. Skin? All right, then, <laughs> yeah. hot shots. Uh, who is greener, Link or Slippy from Star Fox? <laughs> <laughs> the frog is gonna take it. I feel like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see where this goes. Oh, we're getting tricky now. What about the creeper in Minecraft versus Master Chief? Master Chief can't take off that armor. Creeper. 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 The creeper's creeper. greener anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yoshi versus Bulbasaur. Isn't Bulbasaur kind of blue? Am I yeah, misremembering I don't this? Really think yeah. Yo- Yoshi's more more vibrant. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Bulbasaur, it's mostly just the bulb on his back that's green. The rest is teal. Yeah, he's a hack. There's no doubt. All right. <laughs> this is this is where it gets tough. Round two, the semifinals. Frog versus Slippy. 
Um, Slippy. Hang on. Is Slippy all green? Boy, you're going to Google nude Slippy? Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to... Thanks to ExpressVPN, I'm going to Google nude Slippy real quick. <laughs> My wife will never find out. Uh, so, Frog, I think, has more skin exposed. Um... I th- is my memory? Let me really look at these pictures and compare them. I found nude. Oh. nude you found nude? On <laughs> oh, is, this is an episode of Game Query. Is yeah, it, wow. Is, it, uh, it has a stomach. He's green, but hit in this rendition, you know how under his mouth is kind of white? Right. That continues down his chest. It looks like I it's the same I, with Frog. Well, Slippy so, is just like a deeper shade of green. Yeah, also. more vibrantly green. Are we in hue now? Is it coming down to hue? It's, we're, I think we're, it does. Yeah. Also... Yeah, I hate to say it because Frog's my boy, but Frog was only part-time Frog, you know? Like, Frog was born a human, and Slippy was uh, born all Frog, so I think Slippy How old is it. Slippy versus how many years was Frog? Because Slippy does seem like a young... <laughs> okay, how old is Slippy? Uh, sorry, Slippy's 27. <laughs> That's what? So Damn, I'm older That's too Slippy. young. I feel like every character in every game ever made is 27. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's always <laughs> it's 27. It's like a child soldier. Unless it's like Final Fantasy, then it's like Cloud Strife is like 17 years old or something. It's like, what? Yeah. No. Um, it's okay. 17, 27, or 70. Mm-hmm. The three ages. That's right. And that one's only from Metal Gear Solid 4, I suppose. Um, okay, so Slippy takes it, and then, so now it's Creeper versus Yoshi. Well, yeah, here's Creeper. Creep- Creeper's think, only not green in his eyes and mouth. Right. And Yoshi's, they come in a variety of cl- colors. Great <gasps> yeah. point. Oh, boy, this is tough. Slippy versus Creeper for the finals. I, personally, I think it's I think it's Creeper. I, I think, think like yeah. the, the Creeper, thing. Creeper green is like defining. You can find it in a Home Depot paint section at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's all, <laughs> the Creepers are like four different types of green because it's like blocked green. And that's a, a positive. That's, that's positive. really great. Congratulations to Creeper, truly the green supreme. <laughs> Unbelievable work. Thank you, Patrick Hughes. All right, Haley, um, what do you like for question of the week? I'll, I'll refresh your memory a little bit. Um, okay. uh, if you could watch yourself stream from the past. Um, Elden Ring versus Breath of the Wild. The can, Coming up with stories about us being too scared to do things. Slash Leo snakes on a plane thing. The dancing question. Last of Us. Oh, that was good. Green Supreme. How are you feeling? It's a tie between Green Supreme and what game would you want to watch yourself stream? <sighs> okay. <Prime. laughs> okay. Jacob and Leo. I really like the streaming one. Okay. I thought that just got got some good stories. Yeah, good conversation. There we go. Congratulations to Hieronymus Josh. You just won. I noted that when you said it. Uh, Etherborn on Switch. I made it. It is shipping it out to you. And now it's time for something that we prefer to call. Get a load of this. All right, all right. Step right up. Uh, Square Enix released a video. Uh, Get a load of this, everybody. Square Enix released a video that's it's lovely. It's an hour long video. And it's with uh, Mitsuda, the composer for Chrono Cross, and then Masutokato, the director and writer for Chrono Cross, um, and also the producer, uh, I think a couple producers that worked on the remaster. But it's just like an hour-long roundtable, if you will, discussion about them talking about Chrono Cross and the history of the remaster and stuff. And it's interesting because, like, you know, we interviewed Masutokato on our channel. You can find that if you're interested in that type of thing. But it's interesting hearing, like, how reluctant he was to bring Radical Dreamers 
uh, Back to Life anyway, which was this Teleview game that was kind of lost to time. And they said in there that Square actually reached out to him. I know this is pretty neat stuff, so stick with me. But they, they reached out to him to see um, if they could include Radical Dreamers on the DS version of Chrono Trigger. And he said no. He said, I don't want it because it was like weird and old and I don't want new people looking at that. <laughs> so, but they finally convinced him with this remaster to finally release it. And then they're talking about all the characters in Chrono Cross. Um, and Mustokato was talking about like how he's like, yeah, I just every time I had an idea for a character, I would throw it in. So that game has 45 characters. It's just absurd. But Mustokato said, quote, when I look at the lineup of characters in Chrono Cross now, I find myself saying, do we really need Fun Guy? I feel sorry for what I did to Fun Guy because uh, I should have fleshed him out more, which I understand is niche, but that's another shout out to the Deepest Devon Chrono Cross for all the Fun Guy fans out there, you freaks. Um, Haley, you got something? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, I saw a TikTok and then I had to go find it actually somewhere, um, but it is um, a band who sets up facing a screen and then patrons of the bar play Mario Kart and they play like they mute it. And then the band makes all the sounds oh, relating fun. to the Mario Kart. So like, if you get a star, they like play the star music. And like, if you hit someone with a thing, they'll do like the bloop, bloop, and they'll, like do those kind of sounds. And they know every single song to all the tracks and they like, play them through while you're playing. That sounds fun. There's links below for yeah. all the stuff. If you want to see it, uh, Leo, you got something. Get a load of this YouTube video. Full Actors Roundtable, Justin Thoreau, Rajat Suresh, Jeremy Levick, and more. It is an hour-long parody of those Actors Roundtable videos. Uh, except with a bunch of actors you haven't heard of talking about their bit parts. And, like, Rajat's had one line in Severance, and they spend, like, <laughs> ten minutes breaking down getting into character <laughs> for it and everything. But also, Justin Thoreau is there, at which lend, who's a real actor who lends, I mean, you know, a more successful actor, which really lends a sense of reality to this whole ridiculous parody. I love it's it. It's so, so funny. A bunch of, like, fake projects that they made clips for. Uh, could not recommend it enough. Love it. Jacob! Uh, get a load of this. Our friends, I think so, at People Bake Games um, have made a new video called We Entered the World of Microsoft Excel Esports and Got Our Asses Beat. I saw that headline. That is, I was like, that's a perfect headline for a YouTube video. It's it's great. It, it is it is what it says on the label. It is that Microsoft Excel is an esport now where essentially people are challenged to do like a number of really complicated math problems in a specified time. And so they're like setting up Excel algorithms to, to do it. Um, And it's both very entertaining to learn about and also just has like some A plus green screen usage. Uh, So format wise, it's also very entertaining. Love it. Uh, Get a lot of this from the community. There's a channel, which by the way, Haley looking through those responses for the survey in the discord, like I was, Tickled by how many people were like, oh, I the get a load of this channel, the Discord is like the best thing. It's just like here's that everybody's was called just out a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like imagine Twitter if it was just boiled down to only the most interesting stuff. Um yeah. but uh Lurch shared this thing. Um I, I didn't realize this. This is a big announcement. I guess it happened Wednesday for folks, but that Ghostwire Tokyo is coming to Xbox. Uh, but then there's also gonna be an expansion, the Spiders Thread Teaser. But um I feel like I kind of want to go back to Ghostwire Tokyo. I feel like it's going to be perfect when it comes to Xbox. Well, it's Xbox. also the uh, PlayStation Plus game. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, April 12th. But, like, after loving Hi-Fi Rush so much, so much it's like, oh, maybe maybe I need to go back to this game. Maybe there's some magic in there that I missed. Um, but, hey, 
That's it. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening to this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, again, you can go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Those aren't just words that I say. That's an actual URL you can go to. And if you go there, you can get us one step closer to going to Super Nintendo World, sending Leo and Janet and Sarah there, and we'll make a whole bonus travelogue about it. You can also unlock um, Party Chat at the $5 tier, which is in that bonus podcast feed alongside the Deepest Dives and Resident Evil 4 remake and Like a Dragon Ishin and Chrono Cross and everything else we talked about here. Uh, of course, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. But uh, on Party Chat, which is our bonus podcast, this week I was delighted. It's it's like best case scenario because somebody new uh, joined it and called in and they're like, hey, I think their name was Bradley. I know their name was Bradley. And they're like, hey, uh, I've been a fan for a while. I found you from Easy Allies. And I just, I'm curious like why... Why, instead of making more podcasts, you seem to be leaning more into Twitch streams as an outlet? Like, why don't you just make bonus podcasts instead of doing Twitch streams? And it was really fun. This is what I really like. It's like, okay, let's break it all down. Let's get into numbers. Let's get into specifics, analytics for all this stuff. And just like unpacking that with the community for like 20 minutes of just fully pulling back the curtain. I'm like, here's so much we make from Twitch. Here's the problem for tracking analytics for podcasts, blah, 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 uh, the tech behind it. So if you like that really behind the weeds stuff, or you just want to hear us talk about uh, the Oscars, a full recap of the Not Oscars and all the that weeds. stuff. Behind the weeds. Go behind the weeds with Party Chat, everybody, every single week. We appreciate it. Um, also, uh, up on MinMax's YouTube channel today, this very day, uh, we have a new interview, which is a format of interview that I like doing every once in a while, where... Um, I'm joined by two developers at the same damn time. So this time we have the director of Pentiment, Josh Sawyer from Obsidian. And then we also have the director of Immortality, uh, Sam Barlow. And it is uh, the three of us talking about the similarities between those games, 2022 critical darlings and unpacking um, just the process of development. And, and by and large, it's weird to like set up one of those little uh, developer discussions. Hang on. Are people paying attention to me or are they watching the video of Leo's cats right now? Pretty cute. Yeah. No one's paying attention to you. All right, I'm going to keep rambling. I'm trying to keep people hooked in. <laughs> all right, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Audio listeners, at least. But anyways, uh, I hope you all enjoy it. It's fun to have two people who are way smarter than you, and you can just kind of like sit back and let them talk to each other. So I hope you all enjoy that type of funky interview. There's a reason it doesn't exist many places, because it's it's a weird thing to that do. So awesome. Hey, thanks, Haley. That. Thank you so much. That's very sweet. Um, let's see. Heads up for everybody. Um, GDC is next week. GDC is happening next week. Haley's freaking going. Yeah. Exciting. Um, so, uh, podcast is going to be a little bit funky next week. Uh, we're probably going to be recording it in the hotel room. So the audio might be a little funky, but we'll do our best to make it as good as we can and as uh, fun as we can. Um, but because that's going to be a busy, different type of week, we're not going to have community questions on next week's episode of the podcast. That's a heads up for everybody, but uh, everything else should be as per normal. There'll still be new show plus and stuff. Leo's going to be running it back home, but cool. Uh, Haley, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I'm just Haley Facts on Twitter. Join the Discord, and I will personally put an emoji on your pet if you put your pet in the pet. Wow. That's, yeah. that's I've nervous. Been, I'm trying to keep up every single one I see. I put emoji. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, Leo, you got something to plug? Um, My next video on YouTube.com slash Leo Vader has my, maybe my best, my favorite cameo I have had so far, and I don't mm-hmm. think anybody who I've had cameo in the past would be hurt by that when they see who it is. All right. Mr. Beast? <laughs> Mrs. Beast. <laughs> uh, Jacob, do you want to plug anything other than your awesome wanted dead breakdown? Uh, yeah, listen to the uh, Something Rotten yeah. podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are well into the Darkness uh, series, which is a really fascinating game to talk about uh, 15 years after it came out. 
I feel like a jerk Jacob Geller because it, it took me too long to finally start listening to that podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But the other day I was, I was flying through episodes. Really fun. I really enjoy that a lot. Oh, that's uh, you well, and Blake thank are you. great. That's very nice to hear. Yeah. Um, and thanks so much again to everybody watching or listening and everybody over there on Patreon who found the tier that's right for them, especially people at that game champion tier that can choose any game under the sun and be declared the champion of it. So Patrick Polk is officially the champion of Irritating Stick. Irritating Stick on PlayStation 1. Congratulations. Seth, otherwise known as PrettyGoodPrinting.com, they're the champion of Total Annihilation. Logan Kraus shook it up this month by being the champion of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords restored content mod specifically. <laughs> so there we go, the champion. Uh, Joshua Ayers is the champion of Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. Thank you so much, everybody. And hey, that's it. Thanks for watching and listening for the third time and be good, have fun, let's go. Mm-hmm.